We work hard at being healthier. And what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. Hey, my beautiful fans out there. Thank you very much for tuning into this week's show. And I just want to let you know that we are doing one of those shows that you may not want to have your children listen to right away. Why don't you listen to the show first and then decide if you want them to listen to the show as well? Because there are some kind of sensitive things that are talked about in this show that you may not want your kids to listen to. But this show is going to be awesome. We have about a two and a half hour long interview with Ryan and it is going to make your jaw hit the floor. So let's go. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow this head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reach my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the connection section, and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me. Just get a hold of me. Now, this week we have the Art Bell iTunes five-star rating and reviews. If you go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review, you get a shout-out on the following week's show. And this week's shout-outs is Ace7763, Drunken Grizzly, George BB5, Danny Land1871, Jeff Stonerville, Iowa Flash, Mr. Bumstead, Doc Dunny, The Real Cola, Isaiah Hanger, Gagged But Okay, WD40, and from the UK, we got Scott the Scott. 
Thank you for going to iTunes and leaving that rating and review. It helps the show a lot on iTunes to grow, and iTunes is the biggest platform for podcasts. So when we grow on iTunes, the show really gets a bump. So thank you for doing that. Now, next up for the Patreon shoutouts. This is for the people who go to patreon.com forward slash the confessionals and sign up to become patrons to help support the show on a monthly basis. There's a lot of different great rewards that you get for doing so. And this week's shoutouts is Nick T, Chad B, Brett D, Dan B, and Hunter J. Guys, thank you very much for going to patreon.com forward slash the confessionals and signing up to become a patron. I hope you guys have a lot of fun being patrons and it means a lot to me. Now this week's show, we have Ryan coming on and Ryan has a very detailed life of things that happened to him that are very unexplainable. And the only thing that you can conclude as far as him and I go is the fact that he was probably being abducted throughout most of his life. And he shares the missing time that comes with that, the fact that it happened with him and friends. This wasn't something that he was alone and it happened to him. It happened to him and his friends. But the one constant variable is it was Ryan there. So without any further delay, let's get to Ryan right after this. Okay, tonight I have a great guest coming on. It's actually a patron of mine, Ryan. Ryan, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, man. So you sent me this email, I think it was actually before you became a patron, and we started discussing uh, you coming on the show, because you have some pretty incredible experiences, to be honest with you. When I was reading it and stuff, I mean, you didn't go into great detail in the email, but the way you laid it out, it really shows a storyline that's kind of like pops out at you and stuff, especially with, you know, some of the possible uh, extraterrestrial abductions that you, you know, we'll just say possible. And I'll let you describe, you know, how you view it uh, from here. Right. So, uh, but why don't we just start off with you as a kid and some of the experiences you had as a kid, because you believe that most of your life experiences that you had have tied into, you know, your experiences with the quote unquote alien reduction. Uh, so why don't we just start off when you're a kid and work us through, you know, your story here, man. Okay. Well, you got it. Um, well, I grew up, I grew up just outside of Pittsburgh, um, about a half hour North of the city. Um, kind of a small, quiet town. We were right like on the border, like south and to the east of us was like the Pittsburgh suburbs, uh, kind of built up, you know, the steel towns and then North and to the West of us was just all country. The, the county that I grew up in, we bordered uh, West Virginia, Panhandle, and, and Eastern Ohio. Um, that might come into play later if we get into it, but it's, I don't know. It's, I don't know if we will. But um, anyway, so yeah, it was. It was I, I grew up in the in the mid '80s. I was born in 1980, um, and the weird thing started probably around 19, 1986, 1987. I would say around the time that I was six or seven years old. Um, the first experience that I actually remember was it was winter time um we used to have to keep our shoes in the basement you could go in our back door as soon as you walk in the back door there was the stairs to the basement and we would keep our our boots and everything down there in the winter time so we weren't tracking snow and all that through the house um and i remember we were going to get a haircut that day um it was around six o'clock in the evening we had gotten home from school my older brother he's two years older than me he was already outside playing with one of the neighbor kids. 
So my mom told me to go go downstairs and get my boots. We had to leave to go get our hair cut, and they were going to be waiting in the car. So I flip on the basement light, and I start walking down the basement. And our basement was like kind of like a dungeon. It was never finished, you know, exposed pipes and drywall and everything. I get about halfway down the steps, and I notice that there's three shadows, like three, I don't know, like tall and skinny shadows standing in the middle of the basement. And I, I... I kind of stopped and looked at it, and I was thinking, there's, you know, there's going to be a reason for this. I'm going to see what's casting this shadow. When actually one of the shadows turned and looked in my direction, and I could kind of hear a foot scuff on the on the concrete floor. Um, so actually, I ran back up the steps. I didn't. I never got my boots. I actually put slippers on. Never even told my mom. I went down, got in the car, and I remember she was pretty pretty po'd at me whenever we got to the haircut place, and she realized I was wearing wet slippers because i ran through the snow <laughs> and uh that, that's really my first experience that i remember and it kind of seems like that's what kicked everything i don't know if that's what kicked everything off or if that's just what i remember first can but, i um, can i ask you a question before you go any further uh mm-hmm. how old were you again with this at six or seven at, at the most okay uh yeah I was, I was pretty young so you're six or seven and you see these shadows in your basement. And the reason why I wanted to cut you off here, because I, I didn't want to forget to ask you this question. It might be important later uh, towards, you know, how you are as a person. Um, but why, what inside of you do you think made you not want to tell your mom that there's a possibility that there's three people at least in the house? Um, my mom was always kind of, um, you know, my parents got divorced when I was young. My mom worked two jobs. She was always kind of like uh, cut and dry, you know. Um, if I had a bad dream, she wouldn't be dismissive in like a. She wasn't like dismissive, but I don't think she ever bought into it. You know what I mean? Um, you know, and I would tell her about my experiences, and most of the time it was just kind of, well, that's your imagination, or you're seeing things, or you know. And just kind of, I I think it was her way of trying to comfort me, but she didn't understand what I was going through. So, and and she was like that also. And I I had other stories like that where, you know, she was, uh, like I said, not dismissive, like in an ignorant way. Like, you know, she didn't care because she did. She would ask me about it, but then she would always kind of try to, I don't know, wrap a ribbon around it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, you know, and I, I don't know. I guess at that point, I don't know. I don't know if there was something that happened earlier, but I guess at that point, I already knew it. Don't even bring it up. So, yeah, I never said anything. Okay. Um, and I actually, I remember coming home that night after we got our hair cut. She had to go down to the basement because that's where our washer and dryer was. And I remember following her down the steps because I was afraid. I was, like, nervous. She's going down to the basement, and I just saw this. And we get down there, and there's nothing, you know. She, she threw the clothes in the laundry. We went back upstairs. and. And that was it. And I don't think I've ever told anybody that. So, but that's that's kind of where it all started. Okay. Yeah. I, I was just curious because I mean, uh, it's just it's one of those things where every kid's different. And I know, uh, even when I was a kid, let me, I'll just tell you this a little side note, just to relate with you a little bit before you go any further. Uh, w- when I was a kid, my parents were looking for a new car. We stopped in a used car lot, and we pulled up next to a car that had a guy inside. And I got out of the car with my parents and we're walking away from the car. And I, I just never felt right about that guy. And uh, we're probably about, I'd say, 50 yards away from the car. And I just turn around as a kid. I look back and I swear I saw somebody inside my parents' car. 
And I turn around and I didn't say anything to my parents because I just thought I was imagining things and I didn't want my dad to get mad at me for whatever reason. Then you're a kid and you think mom and dad are going to get mad over silly things. And uh, right. <laughs> we go back to the car a little while later. Turns out there was somebody in my mom, mom and dad's car and my mom's purse was stolen. And so, you know, it's one of those things where like I, I saw something. I thought I saw something, but I didn't say anything. I, I didn't say, hey, mom and dad, is there somebody in our car? I mean, that would have been simple to do, but I didn't do it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. And I've thought about that before too, you know, like, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess at the time I didn't think of it as burglar. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, I know it didn't, it didn't belong there, whatever was in the basement, but I, I didn't think of it as like burglars, like, okay, I'm going to leave and these people are going to rob my house. That's fine. Like that didn't go through my mind. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just turned around, bolted up the stairs and put my slippers on and ran down to the car. So I, yeah, I don't okay. know. Anyway, like, that's where it kind of, like, all kind of, like, kicked off. Around this time, we had, um, do you remember the, the, there was, like, these action figures back in the 80s. That it was almost like a cheap knockoff of G.I. Joe, and I think they were called Guts. That um, escapes me. Okay, I, I could be wrong. I think they were Guts, because I used to talk about this guy. I used to talk about this one guy all the time. I used to call him the Guts guy. So we got these, these toys at, like, Kmart or something like that. Um these little action figures. And there was this one guy, he was like, uh, he was like, uh, they would come like dressed up in different, you know, one guy would be like an army guy. One would be a ninja, you know, you get like a different with each guy. But we had this one like army guy. And I mean, they were like two inches tall, like, like soft rubber. Um, and he was an army guy, like an all army fatigue, um, face painted with camo. He had like the red headband, like Rambo, you know, this was the eighties. So it was probably pretty popular. And um, we had this guts guy, this, this little boy. And I remember one night I woke up in the middle of the night. And this was around the same time, same time that like the whole uh, shadows in the basement thing happened. And I woke up in the middle of the night and this guts guy is standing at the foot of my bed. Um, and he's about three feet tall. And it was the same. I mean, it was the action figure guy um, standing at the foot of my bed. Now, I don't think my action figure guy came to life or anything. I think it was a screen memory. Um, I don't know if that was projected on me or if it was like some kind of like self-preservation in my own mind. Um, but I remember sitting up and like rubbing my eyes and looking at him again and he actually blinked. And at that point, I freaked out. I started hollering for my mom. I pulled the blankets over my head. Um, and she came back, flipped the light on to see what was wrong and nothing was there. Uh, you know, so she told me, you know, you were probably having a dream. It was a nightmare. You know, you, you thought you saw something, but there was nothing there. And I bought that at first, but this guy came back several times and it was always the same guy. But what's weird about it. So like the next time he came back, same thing. It's the same guy, the same that's the guy that I had. That's the only way that I can describe it. But the second time he came back, he's wearing like a, like a cheap, Halloween costume of like a vampire, like something that you would buy at the store for, you know, for Halloween for your little kid, like a, like a cheap black cape with a collar flipped up, his hair slicked back. And I mean, I could swear, I think he even had like the fake plastic bangs in his mouth. And same thing, he's standing at the foot of my bed, just looking at me. Same thing. I sat up and I'm looking at him and I'm trying to, you know, like thinking like, okay, wake up or let your eyes focus. And he's literally just standing there looking at me. Um, 
And then I had like a third experience with them where I was actually in a different bedroom. I was in my mom's room the one night. Um, my brother and my stepdad weren't there for the night. So I was sleeping on my mom's floor. I, I put my, my, uh, sleeping bag down on her floor and, and I woke up in the middle of the night and the same, same guy, but he was in like a blue, like a blue jumpsuit. It was either like a jumpsuit or a wetsuit. I don't know. It was like a one piece blue suit. And he had like a gun, like held up to the side of his head, like kind of like, you know, when you see like, like cop shows or something like that, when they like hold the gun up to the side of their head, it's kind of pointing right. up in the air. And that's what he was doing. And he looked at me and he shushed me, like put his finger over his lip. Um, and at that point I, I didn't even say anything to my mom. Um, you know, I just, I just rolled over and went back to sleep, but I was wide awake. I mean, I know it wasn't, I wasn't dreaming. Um, wow. so that's one, like it's weird. I think they're screen memories. I, you what, know, what do you mean by that? That's the only way. Um, well, okay. Going back to the whole alien abduction thing, you know, the more you look into it and I've never heard of somebody having their action figure come to life or anything right. like that. But, um, y- y- there's a lot of stories where people will, they'll remember something that, that seemed out of place, like an owl looking in their bedroom window at them or something, you know? Um, and then later they go through like hypnotic regression and it turns out it wasn't an owl. It was actually a, a gray alien. And I, you know, that's the only thing that I can rationalize. I don't know. Um, and, and again, like I said, I don't know if that's like a self-preservation thing that our own mind does, or if that's something that like an outside force is like projecting on you, uh, you know, maybe to calm you down or something. Why it picks these goofy outfits. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, the first time it kind of made sense. He he showed up in army fatigues, like the action figure. But when he came back in a, a deep vampire Halloween costume, I, I don't know. I, I weird. I mean, these are these are strange stories, you know. So it's like I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I really don't know how to explain it. So if I'm hearing you right and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I want to make sure I'm picturing this right. Uh, initially when you were st- started telling this story, I was thinking that you were seeing your actual toy, but what you're saying is this is something else that was, that was dressed like your toy. No, it was, it was, uh, it was the actual toy. I mean, it was the okay. face and everything, but it was, I mean, the toy was a, a two or three inch tall action figure. But what was at the foot of my bed was as high as the bedpost. I mean, three, three and a half feet tall, but it was him. It was his face. So it it wasn't, it wasn't the actual toy, but it was something that was, that looked just like the toy because your toy was right, like right. a lot smaller, right? Right, right. Yeah. Like my toy was like a little rubber GI Joe guy, but this was like an exact replication of him. Um, gotcha you know, that was at the foot of my bed. And then like, you know, the first time it was an army guy. So the first time I saw him and he was in army fatigue, it kind of made sense. And I thought, you know, my mom said, well, you know, you must, it's just your imagination. You're dreaming. Okay. You know, I'll buy that. But when he came back in like, like a vampire Halloween costume. Okay. Now it's like, you know, I don't know about that, but it was the same guy again. You know, it was the same guy. He came back at least three times that I remember. And I don't know how to explain it. It sounds extremely weird. I I don't know. No, yeah. I I mean, so just you know, one more time before we move on, I just want to make sure I have this right in my head. 
Uh, first time he came back, he, he appeared to you looking like your your toy. And then what was the second and third time that he looked like or it looked like? Um, the second time he came back and he, again, it was the same guy, same face. I mean, it was him, but uh, or looked like him. A second time he was like a vampire. I like and it was a cheesy, like a cheesy costume. Like a bad representation of a vampire. Like, you know when you're little, you can get like those cheap Halloween costumes at the store. Right, yeah. Like that's what it was like he was wearing. You know, it was like a cheap you know, he had like a black cape on with like the collar flipped up, his hair was flipped back, and like I said, I, I to this day I swear he even had the fake plastic bangs in his mouth. Um, and that was the second time. And then the third time was he was in like a blue jumpsuit, blue jumpsuit or a wetsuit. And he was holding a gun. Um, and that was in a different bedroom. He was like peeking around the corner, but again, he was the same guy. So I, I, yeah, I don't know what to make of it. And the third time I didn't even say anything. You know, I didn't, I didn't scream to my mom or anything. I just kind of rolled over and went back to sleep. Cause I don't know. I mean, nothing would have come of it, you know? Right. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that's just, it, that's pretty crazy. Uh, uh, one of the patrons is commenting and said that uh, it reminds him of the, the story Indian in the cupboard. Uh, have you ever heard that story before? Um, I, I read that when I was really, really young. Um, yeah. Kind of, but I think in Indian in the cupboard, they were still little. They were toys that came to life. Right. Yeah. No, this thing was, I mean, it was still three, three and a half feet tall. Um, so that's like, it wasn't like my little toy running around, you know what I mean? It wasn't like my toy was like, came to life and was running around on the floor. Sure. I think that like, you know, this thing grew three feet tall and was at the <laughs> foot of my bed. But like I said, I don't think it was my toy. I think it was a screen memory. Um, and I just don't know if that was by my own doing or, or an outside force. That's, that's my take on it. Gotcha. Okay. Well, uh, why don't we move on from that then? And uh, what other stories do you have leading up to some of the major events in your life? Okay. So, well, around this time, um, I was like, I was in elementary school. Um, and from elementary school, really all the way through high school, and it was around the same time that it started, I would wake up randomly. It wasn't every night, but I would wake up randomly and there would be either dead leaves at the foot of my bed, like under the blankets. Um, my socks will be muddy. Um, I, and I, I mean, it didn't make any sense. You know, I, I kept my bedroom relatively clean. My mom was kind of like a clean freak. Um, so I actually wouldn't even tell her. I would just like bundle them up and throw them out the window and go to school. But, um, that was always something that bothered me. You know, I think at the time I tried to brush it off as, you know, I must've been like sleepwalking out in the backyard. Uh, you know, when you look back at it in hindsight, that doesn't really make sense. But I, I think that was kind of the way that I rationalized it at the time. Um, cause I didn't know anything about, I didn't know anything about anything. Ghosts, paranormal, like nothing, you know? So I would just try to rationalize it with my own life experience. Um, and that happened. Yeah. I mean, pretty much from, from around that time, at least through my teenage years. Um, that hasn't happened in a while, probably like 15 years, but, but it happened for a good, a good period of time. 
when that was happening, did you think that you were sleepwalking? I mean, what were your what were your thoughts on it? Well, that was the only way that I could rationalize. I thought maybe that I had gone out into like the backyard sleepwalking in the middle of the night and and drug a bunch of leaves into the house, which was all that I could. That was what I rationalized it as. Um, right. You know, looking back on it though, how did these leaves stick to my feet as I walked all the way down the hallway to my bedroom? You know, like, you know, looking back on it now, like, you know, from all, kind of like a hindsight point of view, it doesn't really make sense. But, but yeah, at the time, I mean, it really didn't bother me. I'd, I'd clean my bed up, I'd throw the leaves out the window and, and go to school and just, like, it was, it, you know, change my socks. Yeah. Um, I mean, because it, it, that's a, that's a good, I mean, hey, I think sleepwalking is a great explanation for it when you're, especially when you're a kid, you're like, I must have been sleepwalking, you know? Uh, and, right. Th- you know, but when you bring up the fact of the leaves uh, sticking to the bottom of your feet, like that, that does, you know, that doesn't make sense, you know, unless you're doing something weird with leaves, <laughs> carrying them right. in the house or something. Trail or something. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. So, so there was know. no trail. No, no. And it was like they were just bundled up at the foot of my bed and my socks would be okay. money. Um, wow. And that was it, you know, but the doors were all locked. I mean, there was no, no sign of me or anybody coming or going. Um, so, yeah, but I, but I have no recollection of anything, you know? Um, I mean, it was like, I'd go to sleep. My mom would wake me up in the morning to go to school and, you know, Oh man, there's leaves at the foot of my bed again. What do I do? <laughs> you know? Um, and I, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I just, you know, like I just kind of rationalized it off. And, and you know, and at this time, like what I would say is like, I didn't start, I, I had a, uh, well, I had a pretty close up UFO sighting in 2009 and it really wasn't until then that I started piecing these things together for, for most of my life. I thought that like people just had weird experiences and didn't talk about it. Um, so I brushed a lot of things off. Um, I've probably forgotten more things than I remember, you know, that have happened to me because I just brushed them off. So a, a lot of these things that might not make sense, but a lot of these things, I mean, I don't know. I mean, when you go through it, it's hard to explain. It's just kind of like you you brush it off or you try to rationalize it and then you just go about your day. It's hard to explain. No, I think it makes sense though, Ryan. I really do because uh, most people don't spend their, their lives focusing on these types of things. So when it happens, it catches you off guard. And if you don't really focus on this kind of thing, you really don't know what to do with it. Like you just, it's like it, it happened, but you know, who do you talk to and do you talk to somebody? Is it a big deal? You don't know. You don't, I, I totally get it. Right. Yeah. You just kind of like put it in a box and, you know, and it wasn't until years later that these things kind of all started like coming back to me and I started like piecing them together, you know? Um, so, and I guess these are like the highlights of it that kind of stuck out. Like I said, I'm sure I've, I've forgotten more than I even remember, but, but yeah, I went so I went through that, like, pretty much, like I said, from elementary school through high school. Um, and then, uh, I guess, I, when I was in, going through puberty was when things really kind of ramped up for me. Um, I remember, and this happened quite a few times to me when I was maybe 12, 11 or 12. I was in eighth grade, I remember. Um, I woke up in the middle of the night, and my, my bedroom was, 
it was covered in a, it was it, like the, the whole room was lit up red. And, and at the time I thought that there was somebody backing their car up to my bedroom window in my backyard. And I was seeing the brake light shining in through the window. And, uh, so I got up and, and I kind of started crawling down the foot of my bed. Um, and the window was at the foot of my bed. So I'm, I'm kind of crawling down the foot of my bed towards the window. The closer I get to the window, it's almost like this, this red light. It's like it gets sucked out by a vacuum through the window. I mean, it's almost like I can see it getting sucked out of the window, if that makes sense. Um, and by the time I get to the window, there's nothing there. It's just, it's black. My room's dark. And within within 30 seconds to a minute, my nose just starts profusely bleeding. Um, and it, like I've, I thought I was going to bleed to death. And it was the first time that it happened. I got up and, and ran into the bathroom and I, I've never had a, like a nosebleed like that before. Like, you, you know, they say like paint your nose, tilt your head back. When I would do that, I would actually start soaking on blood. It was like, like somebody like had turned on a faucet. Wow. Um, and it didn't stop. I mean, it went for a good solid 20 minutes where I was almost to the point where I was going to wake my mom up because I was starting to get nervous. I'm going to bleed to death. I mean, I was, you know, it's running out of my nose. I tilt my head back. I have to spit it into the sink, and it just would, it would not stop. Uh, and I've had nosebleeds before. You know, you kind of get them randomly, maybe like seasonal allergies or something like that. It lasts a couple minutes. I mean, this was 20 minutes, just profuse. Could not, I mean, choking on it. It was crazy. Um, and so the first time that it happened, the next day at school, I remember you know, I was a pretty energetic kid, you know, I was 12 years old. I, I didn't really tire easily. And I remember this day, like, I mean, I had a hard time keeping my head up in class. I was struggling just to walk through the halls to get from one class to the other. I was so exhausted. Um, <clears throat> so it, it happened to me again. And I want to say, and I can't be positive with this, but I want to say it was exactly two weeks later to the day, the same exact thing happened. So I wake up in the middle of the night. My room's completely covered in red light. So this time I think, all right, I'm going to bust whatever this thing is. And uh, we're going back to before. The first time, I actually went out before school into the backyard and was looking to see tire tracks in the backyard. I still hadn't pieced anything together. I was still thinking a car had backed up to my back window. But it's not possible because the way my backyard is, there's on the one side of the house is a hedgerow that runs up, and then there's a tool shed. And then at a 90 degree angle is a wooden uh, or a metal fence. And then we had a big wooden deck around a swimming pool. Like you couldn't fit a car into my backyard. Um, and that was the way I, I, I guess I looked. It seemed to me like it was a brake lights backing up to my window. But I mean, I checked. I went out in the backyard the next day. There's no tire tracks. And I was looking to see how anybody could squeeze a car into our backyard. And it's not possible. So it happened two weeks later. And I want to say it was two weeks to the day later, the same exact thing. I woke up in the middle of the night, my room's covered in red, red light. I started moving my way towards the window. It gets sucked out like a, like a vacuum is sucking the light out of the window. Nothing there. Bang. My nose starts bleeding again. Same thing. Um, and I was actually, I was so tired the first time that it happened. that the second time that it happened. I actually skipped school. I, I played hooky the next day. Cause I was afraid to go to school. Um, why, why were you scared to go to school? 
because of how tired I was. I've okay. never been that tired in my life. And I was I can't do this again. So I, I went out, I hid behind the tool shed and waited until my mom went to work. And then I crawled in my bedroom window and went back to sleep. Oh man, you was, slick. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> you gotta do it. You gotta do it. Well, it was rough. My mom was a nurse, so I could never play sick. So, gotcha. <laughs> I'd have to, but, uh, but yeah, I, um, I, I mean, I couldn't go to school that day and I knew it, you know, I knew it. Um, and then actually that happened to me again in college. <clears throat> my dorm room was on the first floor and it actually, my window overlooked the uh, student um, parking lot. I went to IUP. You're probably familiar with the area. Yeah. Um, so I, I woke up one night and it was, it must've been around like four, four or five o'clock in the morning. Um, and same thing. My whole room's lit up red, but this time I didn't even remember the, the previous instances, you know, and I'm thinking again, somebody's pulling up to the window and I'm thinking it's one of the guys from the dorm hall been out partying all night. So I'm kind of like laughing. I'm like, man, who's coming home at this time? And I'm walking to the window to go see, you know, which, which one of the guys that lived in my hall is coming home at five o'clock in the morning. And, um, I, I open up my curtain and look out the window. And we had gotten like seven or eight inches of snow that night. Every car in the parking lot was covered in snow. The The parking lot hadn't been plowed yet. All the cars outside the window, I mean, no car had been backing up to that window. Um, I mean, they, like I said, they didn't even, there weren't even tire tracks going through the parking lot. They didn't plow yet. And again, like as soon as that realization hit me, when I looked out the window and realized it wasn't, you know, one of my buddies coming home from a party, the, the nose bleeding started um and it was rough because i had to, i had to run like the entire hallway down to the bathroom uh, and, and same thing you know i mean it just bled nonstop for 20 minutes uh, profusely for 20 minutes and same thing i skipped class the entire next day i couldn't get out of bed i mean it felt like i just ran a marathon um i mean it's hard to it's like another level of exhaustion um you know, I think the first time it happened, I thought it was from loss of blood. I don't know if that's medically possible. It made sense to me at the time. It kind of still makes sense to me now. Um, but I don't know. I, I've i never been that tired in my life. Um, I, I don't know what causes it. I don't know if it's loss of blood. I don't know if there's more to it that I just don't remember. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of weird, but that's, that's the only three times that it's ever happened to me like that. I mean, at least to that level, you know? Yeah. I mean, that. I'm, I want to ask you this because to me, it, it sounds crazy with how you're describing it because from what you're saying, it sounds like the red light was within the room and you're saying it was being sucked out. So did it look like the light was coming in through like a window or what, or was it just like, I don't know, like a perfect blend. I don't, I don't know. Like, no. Yeah, the whole room was engulfed. I mean, it was almost like there was a red light in the room. But as I get closer to the window, it like, it's almost like, like if it was like smoke and you hold a vacuum up to it. I mean, that's, that's the only way I can describe it. And it literally just sucked right out of the window. But when I would first wake up, I mean, the whole room was engulfed in red. I don't, like there was like a red light bulb on or something is kind of what it seemed like. 
That's really interesting. So, yeah. That's really interesting. I'm, I'm really curious to hear if there's any, uh, anybody else out there listening to this that uh, has experienced this because it seems like, I mean, I have never talked to anybody that's experienced what you're describing, but it also seems to me like it's something that maybe there's a lot of people that have experienced it and they just don't talk about it, you know? I would hope so. I'd, I mean, I'd love to hear from somebody that experienced it because a lot of these things, like I said, I just can't, to this day, I can't rationalize, you know? I don't yeah, know. Sure. I'd love to hear somebody else's story and at least to confirm that I'm not crazy. <laughs> well, uh, we've been talking for about uh, 40 minutes and you don't sound crazy to me yet. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> good, good. Yeah, no, it's, uh, people experience crazy things in this world, man. They really do. And it, everything seems extra crazy because everybody else who's experiencing crazy things don't want to talk about it. And so uh, right. I think the more people talk about it, the more we're going to look around and say, you know what, this is more common than we thought, you know? So uh, why don't you just kind of take us back to uh, more of the chronological stuff? Okay, sure. Um, <laughs> so my next, uh, next thing that I actually remember, and I don't know if this has anything to do with it. This is kind of like a, a little odd story that I'll throw in there. I think it was the summer of the summer of 1992, I think is what I want to say. 90, 91 or 92. I want to say 92. Um, my mom was, she was going away to Florida for two weeks. And we had, uh, we had our babysitter that we had known our whole lives. It was actually my stepdad's niece. She was going to be staying with us while my mom was in Florida. But she couldn't get to our house until 3 o'clock that afternoon. She was like finishing her, her finals for college or something like that. But my mom had to leave for the airport at like 6.30 or 7 o'clock in the morning. And it was in the summertime. This was in July. So I remember my mom coming back, waking me up, telling me that she was leaving. She woke my brother up, you know, said goodbye to both of us. And I followed her out down the hallway. I remember giving her a hug at the door, you know, watching her get in the car and pull out of the driveway. But then I went back to my bedroom, but I didn't lay in bed. I got into my recliner chair. I had a recliner chair at the foot of my bed that I used to I used to sleep in quite a bit. It was it was actually a, a really I miss that recliner chair. <laughs> but um, so I lay down and I'm just at that point of like you know when you're kind of like nodding in and out, um, and yeah. I'm hearing something jumping on my mom's bed, and and I remember it's like I I guess at the time I didn't know if like. I didn't know if it was really happening or was I dreaming or what. Next thing I know, I hear my brother, who his bedroom was across the hallway from me. I hear him yelling, Ryan, stop jumping on the bed. And, and I yelled back and I was like, I'm not. And he was like, just shut up and go to sleep. And I'm thinking like, why is he jumping on the bed? And why is he trying to blame me for it? So I get up out of a chair and start walking towards like the doorway. And, it, and as soon as I get to the hallway, it stops. And I looked into my brother's room because his room was directly across the hallway and, and he's laying in bed, completely blankets over his head and everything. Um, and I don't know. And I actually talked to my brother about that maybe two or three years ago. And he actually remembered, he remembered to this day. Well, till then he thought it was me jumping on my mom's bed. I was like, no, man, like that, that wasn't me. I thought that was you, but, um, but that's not, that's not his personality. You know, like my brother's not like, uh, you know, he's kind of pretty low key, I guess you could say. So like that wouldn't be something that he would do. Um, and so I don't know. I mean, nothing really weird came of that, but it's just kind of like an interesting side note. Like I would have like weird, 
weird things like that happen to me quite a bit, you know, that you just can't, I don't know. It's not like an incredible story, but it's kind of weird, especially when somebody else experiences it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think looking back at everything that you've experienced in your life, we haven't hit on everything yet, obviously, but uh, I think little things like that, do hold some kind of clue as to what was going on possibly in your life. Uh, and like you said earlier, there's probably stories that you haven't, you don't even remember that you've experienced. Right. And that, and that comes and with it, time and discussing things because there's a lot of times I remember stories from my childhood, the more I discuss with people. Right. And I, you know, and I do, I think at the end of the day now, looking back at everything, I do think everything's tied together. So I, I, I do think that they do hold, some kind of water. I mean, they're not a fantastical story, but I think they do. There's pertinence there, you know? So, um, you know, and actually around this time, and it might be interesting to point out, around this time, me and, like, some of my friends in the neighborhood were starting to, like, dabble with Ouija boards. Um, you know, to the to the point where we were actually making our own. You know, we would, we would just take cardboard boxes and make them, and they work. Um, I mean, we made the planchette out of cardboard. We would get um, Velcro with like the sticker on the on the other side of it, so like the planchette could slide easier. Um, okay. I mean, it was never anything like evil, you know what I mean? Like to us, it was fun and games. I mean, actually, I ended up buying a real Ouija board at Toys R Us, and it was made by Parker Brothers. You know, looking back on yeah. it, what you know? Um, and eventually, I ended up getting rid of it. I mean, I, I ripped it in half and threw it away. I mean, it was just like, I, you know, and my kids. My kids will never own a Ouija board as, as long as I'm alive. But, uh, you know, but at the time it was, it was just, it was kind of fun and games, you know, and it would tell us, you know, that we were going to be professional football players and we we're going to marry like the hottest cheerleader. It wasn't anything like creepy, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think we never really like thought about it. Um, like, you know, what we were dabbling in. I never, at the time, I never thought of it as the occult, you know, um, you know, looking back on it, you know, I was extremely naive, especially with everything that was going on with me. So, I mean, it, it certainly, I mean, that certainly probably didn't help the situation, I'm sure. But, um, but yeah, so that's, so that takes me up through my teen years. And then, so the first major, major event where I, I I'm actually going to start like scratching my head here, you know, um, something more is going on was the summer of 1998. I had just graduated high school. Um, I, it was the summer, it was July. It was like the middle of July and I was at my girlfriend's house. Um, well, actually my girlfriend was out of town. She was on vacation with her, uh, with her, her family, but her older brother stayed home. So I was at, I was at, I was hanging out with him basically. Um, I had a good friend of mine that was with me and then her brother had two of his friends. So there was five of us there and we were all mutual friends. We all knew each other. Um, like my, my girlfriend at the time, she lived five houses down the street. I grew up with her brother. So we, we were all, we were all pretty tight. Um, so as five of us hanging out, we were waiting for another friend of ours. It was probably four thirty in the afternoon. And we were waiting for another friend of ours. that was going to come around seven o'clock in the evening. Um, and we were waiting for him to get off of work. Super hot, humid day. So we decided to go in the house and get in the AC and they had one of those big, like wraparound couches. I think it's called, is it a sectional? I think they call it. Yeah. Yeah. Sectional um, where it kind of covers the L of the wall. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's what they had. So 
So we go into the living room and put the TV on. And I remember the Oprah Winfrey show was on. So that's how I know it was between like four and five o'clock in the evening. So I'm going to guess around like 430 because the show had already kind of started. And we're sitting there watching it. And, and I remember like one of my friends cracking a joke, like, are we really going to watch Oprah? <laughs> you know? And, um, and then it was like, the only thing that I can describe it as, and I don't know, like, this is going to sound weird. I don't know how else to describe it. It was like God flipped a switch on the sun. I, I, that's the only way that I can describe it. Like, I mean, my eyes were open. I watched day turn to night like somebody hit a light switch. Um, I, 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 that's the only way that I can describe it. And all five of us experienced the same thing. So this happens. I mean, like I said, it was like somebody like walked in the room and hit a light switch and bang, it was nighttime. And my one friend that was sitting all the way at the end of the, at the, end of the, the couch sat up and was like, what the hell was that? And we all kind of like snapped out of it and we're confused, you know, like what, what in the world just happened? And I remember getting up, walking into the kitchen and the clock on the microwave is saying 1030 at night. Now, I mean, it was only 430 10 seconds ago wow. you know, when we walked in and sat on the couch. Um, I, I, it was the strangest thing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. Um, so I remember that night, like we were all really creeped out, obviously. So I walked home, all the other kids got in their cars. They went to drive home. I remember I walked home. I told my mom, I was going to bed. I sat on the foot of my bed and just stared at the wall for like 20 minutes. And I couldn't stay there. I was like, I, I, I can't be by myself tonight. I got to get out of here. So I went back down the hallway. I told my mom, I said, I'm going back over to my girlfriend's house. If I'm not home in a half hour, I'm just going to stay there. And she said, okay. So I left. I walked back over to their house. And as I'm walking over, everybody's cars start pulling back in. And they all said the same thing. They were like, dude, we couldn't go home. So our one friend was actually 21. We sent him to the bar to go get some six packs. And we stayed up all night playing cards. And like we didn't talk about it. Um, now, one of the kids that was there with me, um, his name was John. He's actually I'm a really good. I'm still close with him today. I was the best man in his wedding and everything. And I have another experience with him that I'll get to. But um, I, I can bring it up to him um, and he'll talk about it. But I don't think he's made any connections yet, you know, but he'll admit that it happened and that, it, that it's weird. Uh, I remember I bumped into the kid, my, my ex-girlfriend's older brother i bumped into him a few years later at the bar and uh you know we were just reminiscing on old times growing up throwing a few beers back and i brought that up and he just looked at me and was just like i've been trying to forget that night for four years why are you talking to me about it now and just like shut it down so i don't know if he remembers more than i do um or if it just creeped him out um i don't know but i mean i just got the impression at that point don't push the conversation any further so I really didn't.
Hey, it's Kevin Makeley from the film Big Legend, and you're listening to The Confessionals with Tony. Uh, I want to ask you, so you go home and you stare at the wall for 20 minutes, and, and your reasoning for leaving was uh, you didn't want to be alone and you couldn't sleep, and you said that everybody else came back and said the same exact thing? Right, yeah. No, they were all driving. I guess they all made it like halfway home and just turned around. Um which made sense because I got back to my bedroom and I remember just sitting on the foot of my bed and looking at the wall. And so like, I, I can't, I can't be here tonight. I'm not going to go to sleep. You know, I'm, you know, at this point I'm, I'm 18 years old. I'm not going to go sleep on my mom's floor, <laughs> you know? Right. Right. So it's just like, I, I got to get out of here. So um, did yeah, you I couldn't be there? So when you guys all left there, I'm assuming then everybody was freaked out and openly freaked out. Uh, yeah, yeah. Everybody, not, I wouldn't say at this point freaked out, more confused. It, it was very confusing, very confusing. And then honestly, I'll say this, the next day, the friend that we were waiting for that was supposed to get there around seven o'clock called all of us and he was angry. Um, he said he showed up at the house and was like ringing the doorbell knocking on the windows. He thought we left and went out for the night without him. And, uh, I mean, we had no explanation for him. I, I don't even know if he ever got an explanation. I mean, it was just kind of, uh, I don't know what to tell you, man. You know, we were there, but maybe, I don't know, but we didn't hear anybody wow. ringing the doorbell or knocking on the door. So, so. Uh, all right. So this happens in the time slip. Uh, what was the environment like in that room before everybody left? Uh, were, did you guys discuss it amongst each other? Like say, this is really weird. What could have happened? Was there a conversation or was it just more like acknowledging something really weird happened and I'm out of here? That, yeah, that was about it. You know, it was kind of like, you know, yeah, it was what the hell just happened. You know, I mean, six hours just gone, you know? And, um, yeah, and like nobody, we really didn't talk about it all that much. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think we all questioned each other. Like, do you know what happened? Do you remember what happened? But it was quick. I mean, it was like four or five minutes, and then everybody was just, you know, all right, well, we're, we're going to go home. It's 1030, you know. Uh, this night sucked. We didn't go to the party yeah. that we were supposed to, you know. Um, so, and like I said, and that's why, like, I don't know – it, it it bothers me, but not in like a personal, it, it bothers me that I don't know what happened, but I'm okay to talk about it. So it kind of caught me off guard when I brought it up to my buddy a couple of years later that, I mean, he was dead serious. He didn't want to talk about it. You know, he shut the conversation down immediately. Um, so I don't know if we all have a different take on it. And And then the other two kids that were there, I haven't seen them in years. I, you know, I wouldn't even be able to bring it up to them now. I mean, if I did be awkward you know yeah but um but then like my other good friend i can talk to him about it and he remembers the same thing that i do you know that i do and he'll just say the same he'll be like dude that night was crazy that was weird i don't know what happened and that's it he doesn't get upset about it but he has no clue what happened um and he'll admit that you know so oh. and then well so i i I'll, I'll jump ahead to the next missing kind of, and then I'll kind of backtrack a little bit to another story okay. that I want to tell you. Does that work? Okay. So now the kid, the kid, John, that I was with at that house with five of us. Um, like I said, I was the best man in his wedding. We're still close to this day. 
him and I went to uh, a Jimmy Buffett concert in 2004. So this is like six years later. And I don't tell people this story. You tell people you like lost time at a Jimmy Buffett concert. <laughs> they like join the club, man. <laughs> you know? So I just kind of leave that whole part out. But um, yeah, so, so we went to this Jimmy Buffett concert the summer of 2004. We rode up with his older sister. We, we, I remember this day clearly. We, we picked up a 30 pack on the way to the concert. We didn't open it until we got there. We, we get to the concert. We got there pretty early. It was like, I don't know, 4, 4 o'clock, 4.30. Concert didn't start until like 7.30. So, and yeah, if you've ever been to a Jimmy Buffett concert, they tailgate. It's, it's, it's a pretty good time. So, so we get there, and we each have one beer. We open a brand new case. We open a brand new beer. We're not drinking anybody else's drink or, you know, weird jello shots. We have one beer. Now, we're, we're, we're 24 at this time. So, and his sister and her friends are all in their mid thirties. They're married. So we weren't really trying to hang out with them. So yeah. we decided to go take a walk through the parking lot. You know, we're going to see if maybe we bump into some friends that we know. Maybe there's a couple of girls there that we can meet up with, you know? Uh, so we go walking through the parking lot. We make it about, I don't know, 10 minutes. And I remember we stopped and we're having a conversation. There really wasn't anything exciting going on. It was kind of early. Uh, the parking lot wasn't even full at this point. So we're having a conversation. Do we want to keep walking to the end of the parking lot? Do we want to head back towards like the back of the parking lot by the woods or just head back to the car where our beer is? And so we're having like this short discussion about it. And then, I mean, bang, next thing I know, him and I are standing in the exact same spot. It's dark. The parking lot's empty. And we're just standing there looking at each other. And he has like a blank look on his face. His mouth was open. It wasn't like wide open, but like black jaw. Um, and you could hear, you could hear the concert going on in the background. The way the venue set up is, so it was at Pittsburgh. Um, what do they call it now? Post Gazette Pavilion. It used to be Star Lake. Um, so anyway, the way it is is like the parking lot. You have to walk quite a ways. I mean, it's a couple, maybe a hundred yards, two hundred yards to like the concert venue from the parking lot. And, but I could hear the concert, and I could hear Jimmy Buffett on stage, like thanking everybody for coming out and have a safe trip home. And, you know, Margaritaville is playing in the background. And I grabbed my friend by the shoulders and shook him. And I was like, we got to get back to your sister's car. And I, like, I was panicking at this point because I, I had no idea what had just happened. And he like kind of snapped out of it. Same thing, you know? And I mean, he looked at me and said the exact same thing. He was like, we got to get back to the car. And so we make a beeline back to his sister's car. And when we get there, his sister's pissed off. Um, I mean, yelling at us. Here, they said she'd been like scouring the parking lot for like five hours. They went through the parking lot into the concert venue. We weren't at our seats. They checked all like the beer lines. Nothing. And him and I, at this point, we had like a reputation. We used to get into a little bit of trouble when we got together. So his sister's thinking the worst. You know, she's thinking either we're getting like, you know, we bumped into somebody and we're getting smashed or we got into a fight. We got arrested. And, um, I mean, she was irate. I remember him just saying to her, like, you know, it's not what you think. I'll tell you tomorrow. I'll tell you tomorrow. And trying to calm her down. Um, and it, same thing. I mean, I have, I have not five hours, poof, gone. And I have nothing. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. I actually brought that up at his wedding. I said I was, I was the best man in his wedding. And I brought that up during my, my best man speech. And I was talking about, like, kind of reminiscing over, like, 
us growing up and stuff. And I, I referenced it like, you know, kind of like the Jimmy Buffett concerts that we may or may not have attended. And, uh, <laughs> and it, his sister looked at me and was like, you were there, I drove you. So I don't think she knows, like, yeah, I know she drove me, but I don't think she really got what I was saying. I know he did, yeah. you know? Um, and like I said, and that's the same, same as the first time. We can have a conversation about it. He's open to it, but I don't think he's connecting it to anything, you know? But at the same time to me, it's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how I could. He just lives with it and he doesn't question it. And, I, and that I don't get. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, he experienced the first time with you as well, right? Right. And how long was the first one? Four or five hours? The first time was like six hours. We, 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 okay. From four thirty to like ten thirty at night. Um, and then it was about the same the next time. Yeah, yeah. So when you experienced this uh, with the other people the first time and this time with your friend. Uh, did you notice anything different about your physical body clothes put on differently or, you know, leaves in your pockets, you know, like, cause when you were a kid, you had found those leaves at the bottom of your bed. Uh, was there anything right, right. different at all other than the fact of time? Yeah. So, okay. Well, let me, let me like kind of backtrack. Okay. All the way okay. going back to like my early teens, I would wake up in the morning and have scratches all over my body. Um, Sometimes I would notice it right away. Sometimes I wouldn't notice until I got in the shower and like the hot water hit me and then like the welts would appear. Um, and it was like, it never drew blood, but it was like enough to break skin. If that makes sense. Like I, I remember the, like the one time I actually like ripped my bed apart. I was thinking there was like a thumbtack or something like that in my sheet somewhere. And I was like rolling around on it all night. I didn't know. Um, so I, I used to deal with that a lot. So I don't know if I would have even, I mean, it got to the point where I just ignored it. So I don't know, like the first time, if I had like woken up the next day and saw scratches on my body, if I would have even paid attention because it was kind of like status quo at that point. Um, okay. But now the second time at the Jimmy Buffett concert, the next day I woke up and went home. I went to get in the shower and the whole back of my body was covered in bruises. There was actually a bruise on my shoulder blade that the bruise was so deep that blood like seeped through my skin and stained my shirt, which I've never seen something like that happen really? before. Yeah. Wow. Um, right on my, my back, right shoulder blade. Um, but I remember actually, and I forgot all about this. I'm glad you asked me. Um, but so I remember I called my buddy the next day later that afternoon and asked him how he was feeling. And the same thing. He was like, man, he goes, I feel like I got into a fight and I lost, you know, and it just, and it was the back of our bodies, my elbows, my elbows were all bruised up. Um, my back and my elbows, I mean, they just took a beating and I can't, I can't describe, I don't know. I mean, had we gotten into a fight and just, I, that wouldn't have made sense. You know, I thought about that, you know, like, well, first off, we weren't drunk. We, we only had like two beers. So it's not like we blacked out. Um, but if you get into a fight and you spend a lot of time on your back, you're going to get punched in the face at some point. For sure. And that didn't happen. You know, I, so I really, and, and, and he's, you know, my buddy that I was with, I mean, he's, he's six one, probably two forty, not an ounce of fat on him. I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm six four two ten. We would have put up a fight. I don't think it's just, it doesn't make sense. But, you know, I, that's the only way I don't know. 
I mean, my only rational explanation for that would be that like we got into a fight and we got beat up so bad we don't even remember it, but and we'd have more marks than just the backs of our body, you know. Yeah. But that's what it was like. It was like we spent the night on our backs wrestling. I, I mean, I don't know. How did it feel? I mean, the these bruises that you experienced, these bruises that you experienced. Uh, how did it feel? I mean. When you're, I think you said you were in the shower or something like that when you first noticed it. I mean, were you in a complete body pain? Was it achy? Uh, was there a sting to these bruises or were they just typical bruises? No, they hurt. Yeah, it was, it was body pain. Um, you know, well, the scratches and I don't, I don't remember having scratches after the Jimmy Buffett concert. Like on my, I used to get them on my chest all the time, scratches. Um, now, those would burn when I would get in the shower. The hot water would hit me and it would burn. And that was usually when I would notice them. And you could look down and, like, see the skin swelling. Um, but after the Jimmy Buffett concert, those bruises, no, I mean, they were they were hardcore bruises. I mean, it was like, you know, I mean, my whole body hurt. And if I touched my elbow, it, you know, I mean, it was pain. I, I wouldn't say, like, stinging, but, I mean, it was, it, it was definitely tender, you know. Um. Yeah, I mean, it, it It was like somebody like, I don't know. I mean, it was like we just, we either got into a fight and spent a lot of time on our backs or somebody beat us in the back. I don't know. I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So uh, with the bruises on your back, now, I'm not sure, you, you know, you may not have gotten a great look at them, but when like for instance the bruise that you said was so deep that blood had pushed through your skin and it was on your shirt is there any way that you think maybe uh it, this is definitely going along the lines of alien abduction i'm just letting you know uh but you know uh is there any way that you could have seen like uh puncture marks or something that maybe something punctured your skin therefore it bled and it bruised badly because of where no. it punctured no, there there was no puncture marks, and it was. You ever see like if somebody has a bruise that gets, it's like so, so deep. It's like almost like a bright purple, like a reddish purple. Yeah. So that's what it was, and it was right on my shoulder blade, and the exact size of the bruise was the size of the stain on my shirt. So it was yeah it was like the blood like I, I the bruise was so deep that the blood actually like seeped in my skin and stuck to my shirt and stained it i mean i actually threw that shirt away so uh, yeah i mean it That's wasn't incredible. a puncture i mean it was yeah it wasn't a puncture i mean something welled me pretty good that's all i can figure um that's actually yeah that's the only time i've ever experienced that in my life you know a bruise like that but but yeah, it was pretty, I mean, we were beat up. I mean, my, and my elbows, I remember the next day, just my elbows being so sore. Um, so yeah, that was, that's, that was it. That was my second. That's interesting too, that you, you said that a couple of times now that your elbows were really sore and you were, your back was bruised. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to be funny here. I'm just, I want to ask you, were your knee, were your knees bruised or sore? No. Mm -mm. okay no really i mean nothing on my lower body it was my, my back and my elbows my shoulder blade my shoulder blades and my elbows uh, this is what really stands out to me is like what what took the beating you know yeah it just makes um, me wonder like what happened you know like i want to know ryan i want to know what happened <laughs> <laughs> i know right <laughs> well 
that makes one of us because I really don't. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. So, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, so that was my second time. And yeah, I wanted to jump into that because that was with, uh, it was the same guy from the first time. Now, uh, let, let me jump back a little bit. Okay, so three years prior to this, let's say, I want to say it was June of 2001. It might have been June of 2000. I had this sleep paralysis. I used to have sleep paralysis um, quite a bit. And usually I didn't pay any attention to it. Um, it was uh, it, it was something, you know, I, well, first off, I, I bought the, uh, the scientific narrative, you know, like you, you interrupted your REM stage or whatever. Yeah. So I really wouldn't think about it. And I would experience it. And I would just wait and like fight through it. But it always happened at night when I was asleep and you would expect something like that. But I had this, uh, so yeah, it was June and June, I want to say 2001. So I'm just going to go with that. Um, I was home from college. It was summer break. Um, it was early in the summer. I, I, I think I'd only been home for like a week at this point. Um, I woke up that morning. It was like 1130 in the morning. It was a beautiful, I mean, beautiful summer day. It was 70, 78, maybe 80 degrees. No humidity, not a cloud in the sky, just perfect weather. And I had to go to work that night. And I was only working from like four to eight. I was working at this little Italian restaurant. And um, then I was going out to a party that night. So I was in like a really good mood. I woke up around 1130 that morning, took a shower. I was, you remember LimeWire? I was, I was downloading oh, yeah. LimeWire because I was going to burn a CD <laughs> for the night. So I, I was pretty amped up. I mean, it was, I was in a good mood. I was energetic. Um, so around one o'clock in the afternoon, I went into the kitchen uh, to make some lunch. I opened up the refrigerator. My mom had stocked the refrigerator the night before with, with all the good stuff, you know? So I was, I mean, and I was making like a triple decker turkey sandwich. I had Doritos and salsa out, a big glass of iced tea. I was, I was living the high life, you know, and, uh, in the middle of me making this triple decker turkey sandwich, like, it was like, I got hit with a, with a poisonous dart. Um, like, I mean, out of nowhere, my eyes started watering. I started yawning. It was like I had bricks on my feet and I like I was standing in quicksand or something um I I mean I I it wasn't like it wasn't like when you're gonna pass out you know like if you kind of like see spots you get a little bit lightheaded like you're gonna pass out it wasn't like that I mean it was like take like Thanksgiving dinner after you eat a bunch of turkey and you're laying on the floor watching football times 10 out of nowhere out of nowhere um, so I, I stopped, I mean, I dropped what I was doing. I left my sandwich half out, bread open, you know, mayonnaise out on the counter. I would have never done that. And I started trying to make it back to my bedroom. Now my bedroom is a very, we had a lot, the house that I grew up in, we had a really long hallway. It was probably like 30 feet long. My bedroom was the last room on the right. So I have to go from the kitchen through the living room and then kind of cut down the hallway. I, and I try to make it back to my bedroom. And I, I wasn't going to make it. I could have laid on the floor right there and gone to sleep. So I actually turned off into the very first room that I came to. Uh, and this was my mom. She had an office. It was her office. So she had like, like a computer in there, a desk, but she had a couch in there. It was a really uncomfortable couch, like not one that you're going to like really want to take a nap on. Um, 
but I staggered in there. I mean, I, I could barely, I was, I mean, I was about to just drop. I hit the couch and I must've been asleep within, within five, 10 seconds of hitting the couch. Next thing I know, I wake up and I hear all these footsteps in the house. Um, they're in the living room and they're small footsteps. Like, you know, just, I just, I don't know, like kind of thumping, like thump, 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 thump. at the time <clears throat> my, I have two stepsisters and between them at the time they had six kids between four and nine years old. And they used to come to our house twice a year, just run rough shot through our house. That's what it sounded like. But I knew they weren't there that week, but it sounded like they were there. And that's the only way that I can describe it. And I'm, I'm laying there. So I wake up and I'm, I'm completely paralyzed. Now, you know, like how, like if you squint your eyes, you can, you can make out shapes. You know, you can see movement, you can see forms, you can see light, but you just can't see like, um, you can't see details. Right. So that's kind of what, what I can see though. So the way I'm like, I'm laying on the couch and I'm looking out the hallway towards the living room and I'm listening to these, these footsteps, you know, thump, 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 through the living room and I can hear them coming towards the hallway and I'm looking and as they get to the door, I can see these little heads bobbing up and down. It was like five or six of them go past the door that I was in down the hallway. I can hear their feet. And it was weird because they were like all in a, um, they, they were like in a cluster. Like if it were kids, they'd be tripping over each other. Like it didn't make sense. They weren't spaced out. Like they were all bunched together like unnaturally. Um, but I can hear their, you know, thump, 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 and I can watch. I watch their silhouette go past the doorway and I can hear them go down the hall towards my bedroom and they get to the end of the hall. And then I hear them kind of mill around, you know, again, you know, the thump, 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 you know, almost like they were like looking, they, they looked in my bedroom. I think they looked in my brother's old bedroom, which my mom had turned into like a guest bedroom right across the hall. And then I hear them start making their way back down the hallway towards where I'm at. And I'm listening to them come and I'm looking out the, out the doorway. And right when they get to the window, again, I see these heads, thump, 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 you know, heads bouncing up and down about three feet tall, go right across, right, right past the doorway. So I'm thinking at the time, I'm thinking these little kids are, they're kids from the neighborhood. I'm thinking they, they snuck into the house while I'm asleep. So I'm going to bust these kids, right? So I hear them go out into the living room. And then, like I said, it was, it was a nice summer day. I had my the big door was open. We have a screen door it was closed, but like the main door was open and the screen door, it was like an old, like aluminum screen door. You know, it would screech when it would open. And then when it closed, like the hydraulic arm would catch it like one time and then just let it slam. So it was a very distinct sound. So I'm, I'm on the couch. I'm trying to break through this, this paralysis. I can see down the hallway. I'm watching these things and I'm thinking these, I'm going to nail these kids. And so they go down, I hear them go out into the living room and I hear the screen door push open and then it's, you know, the hydraulic arm catches and it slams shut. And as soon as that bang, that slam, the paralysis broke. And I flipped to my feet and ran as fast as I could, and, you know, and I was in pretty good shape. Um, you know, I was athletic in high school. I played sports. I, I flipped to my feet and ran as fast as I could. I would have 20, I was 20 feet behind these kids, right? And they couldn't have been very old. 
I hit that door out onto my porch and there was nothing. Um, and we have a big yard. It used to be a, it used to be a fruit tree orchard. We had cherry, plum, apple, pear trees. Uh, they weren't going, was, all these trees had been cut down. So it's just now it was a big field, but it was a big yard. They weren't going anywhere. Um, I, I totally expected to hit the front porch and see a bunch of kids standing in my front yard, 20 feet from me. And I got out there and there was nothing. It was a gorgeous summer day. Um, I mean, I ran around the side of the house to see if somebody had ducked behind like the AC unit or something, you know, there was nothing there, nothing there. Um, so I walked, I walked back into the house. I go into the kitchen and literally only 10 minutes had passed since I was just doing jumping jacks over my turkey sandwich. I mean, it was that quick. And I still, I mean, that makes no sense to me. I mean, that, I don't know. I, I, wow. I didn't get sleepy that quick making a sandwich. You know, I, I don't know. It just, it doesn't make sense. Well, yeah. Cause so it, it's to me, the way you, you're describing it, it sounded like you got dramatically tired. I mean, like a tired that you never felt before that you couldn't make nowhere. it to, you couldn't make it to your room. You crashed in your mom's uncomfortable couch because that's the first thing you could get to. And you're only out for 10 minutes. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Out of nowhere. And then I was fine after that, after they left. And yeah. And the weird thing is I, here's the, here's the impression that I get. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I could be completely wrong. But it seems to me like when they, so when I went into my mom's room and crashed on the, in, in her office, I think it confused them. I think they went down the hall looking for me in my bedroom because they, they milled around at the end of the hall like they were confused. That's the impression that I get. So they were expecting me to be in my bedroom. Uh, and, and they came back and rent, you know what I'm saying? So Yeah. And I could be wrong. I could be wrong because you would think they have like all this technology or whatever. I mean, they can like zap me remotely, but they don't know what room I'm in. It doesn't make sense. But that's kind of the impression that I get. I don't know. You know, uh, that I mean, the way you describe it there does make sense, because uh, if we're talking about abductions and you've experienced this before uh, and they were they were much longer. And so, I mean. What you're saying, and I and I, I think I agree with you. If this is what you're saying, that that sleepy, heavy feeling was, uh, let's just say, them zapping you, for lack of better terms, and you right, got real right. he- heavy, sleepy, so that you know they can come and abduct you, and you just weren't where they expected you to be. And so, I guess that sleepiness, you know, that zap, whatever, uh, wears off, and you're starting to come too, and they have to get out. Is that how you look at it? Um, I I think they zap again for lack of better words. Yeah, I think they zap they they zap me remotely. I think they were expecting me to be somewhere that I wasn't. I don't know if it was like they had to run because I was coming too, because I couldn't move. I mean, I was completely paralyzed. I could not move, and so, I mean, I'm listening to the whole thing go on. I'm watching the whole thing go on, but I could not move until they left the. It wasn't until they opened that screen door and it slammed shut that the paralysis broke. It was all at once. Like, it was like the second they left the house, the paralysis broke, you know? So I think they did have control over that. Um, okay. Because for the entire time that they were in the house, I couldn't move. The second they walked out the door, bang, the, the paralysis was over. So, and, and then again, I don't know. I mean, what are they like? 
where do they go? I, you know, I mean, I was right behind them, 20 feet behind them waiting. And, and there was nothing there. I mean, I ran out on my front porch and there was nothing there. I yeah. don't know. I, you know, a lot of people that have either experienced, you know, extraterrestrials or studied them, you know, like there's some insiders that say they they share what they've experienced with just, you know, working within, you know, let's just say the government, which isn't not really the government that's doing these things. Uh, but they say that these things tra- travel in portals and they are um, they have access to other dimensions that we don't have access to. Uh, so, I mean, maybe, you know, that idea of what these things are holds true in your scenario where, you know, if they were kids, you would have seen them, uh, but they were just right. gone. Yeah, nothing, nothing. So, I mean, that makes sense because, yeah, I mean, nothing could have gotten away from me that quickly. You know, they couldn't have traversed that much distance. It just, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Wow. So. And again, this is before I start piecing things together. So I just walked back into the house, finished making my sandwich, burned my CD and went to work. You know, and I look back at it now like, my gosh, you know, what what were you doing? But this was all before I kind of started like putting things together. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I didn't, I don't want to backtrack, like jump back like that. But um, I'm hoping I'm not like being confusing on like timelines with everybody. No, I don't think you are. I think I think you're conveying a narrative that is very important to lay out in the way that you feel comfortable saying it. Okay. Well, good, good. So, all right. After the Jimmy Buffett concert, where where that my whole second missing time happened, it was about two years later. The next big event. <clears throat> I was living with a girlfriend at the time. Um, I, I usually sleep on the couch. I don't sleep good at night. Um, so I would, I usually just, I, I lay on the couch and I, I watch TV until I like just totally pass out. So I'm sleeping on the couch. She goes back to the bedroom to go to sleep. And it was, it was summertime. It was one of those nights where it's kind of, I, I like to sleep with my windows open. I like to hear the crickets at night. I like to wake up to the birds in the morning. So it was one of those nights I was like on the fence. It was kind of warm. Um, I really wanted to keep the windows open, but I probably should have closed them and put the AC on. So I compromised and I took my shirt off and just left the windows open. And, uh, and I, I ended up falling asleep watching TV. I, I wake up maybe, I don't know, I guess like an hour and a half later and I'm freezing cold, uh, like extremely cold. And I put my hand on my chest and like, I kind of slapped my chest. And when I, when I slapped my hand down on my chest, flashed and it was wet so i'm thinking okay i got overheated and i started sweating now i'm cold because i'm wet so i reach up to the the lamp on the uh the end table and i put the lamp on and my hand is covered in blood so obviously it freaks me out i jump up first thing that I'm thinking, and I don't know why this was the first thing that I thought, but I thought like the cat had drug a dead animal and they used to leave like birds and, and mice on the front porch and stuff all the time. But the cat, which was a white cat, was sleeping on the, the chair next to me and was completely no, no blood on or anything like that. So I go into the bathroom thinking I must have had another nosebleed. Well, there's no blood anywhere on my face, no blood around my nostrils. I, you know, if you get a nosebleed, it, it kind of, you know, it dries around your nostrils. You, you can tell. Um, 
there's no blood anywhere on my face. So I, I start like turning around in the mirror and looking everywhere on my body and I can't see any, there's nowhere for this blood to be coming from. Um, no cuts, no, I mean, no scabs that I pick, no, no moles that I might've picked out while I was sleeping. No, nothing. I couldn't figure it out. I actually ended up waking up my girlfriend and she saw, and I'm covered in blood and she starts freaking out and same thing, you know, she's, she's standing there looking at me and she can't figure out where it's coming from. And it, all it is, it's, it's all over my torso, all over my chest, really all over my chest. And there's dry blood marks. They're running kind of down my neck towards my ears, down my chest towards my, my, my armpit. And they're like drying as they run. And the main amount of blood is on my chest. But there's no exit area. I, like there's nothing. I didn't see anything. I had my girlfriend. I mean, I stripped naked in the bathroom, and she couldn't see anything. There was not nowhere for this blood to come from. Um, I took a shower, thinking maybe a cut will reappear, you know, something that I didn't know I had. There was nothing, and it, it was a lot of blood. It was like, I mean, it was like somebody took like a sixteen or twenty ounce glass of blood and just like dumped it on me while I was sleeping. Uh, and I, that, to me, that sounds demonic. I don't know. So I, I wouldn't say, I don't know, you know, this is where I start, like everything kind of starts blending, you know, the paranormal, the alien, this is when things to me, like start kind of blending together because that doesn't make any sense. If aliens are from another planet or, or whatever, what, what, what happened here, you know? So this is an instance where, you know, you didn't experience lost time, nothing like that. It's just... You went to sleep, and when you woke up, you had blood on you. Right. For Yeah, for no reason. And, you know, like I said, I mean, I even had my girlfriend double-check my body just to make sure I wasn't bleeding from someone, because I couldn't figure out where I was bleeding from. And as far as both of us could tell, there was nowhere for the blood to come from. Okay. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's weird, you know, I mean... You know, and again, these are things that I really don't tell people because first thing they're, you know, ah, oh, you got a nosebleed or you had, you know, it was this, it was that. No, like I checked all that, you know, I, it wasn't my nose. It wasn't, it wasn't anywhere around my face, you know, any natural holes on my body. No, there was no blood around that. Like there was nowhere for it to come from. So I, I don't know. Like that's actually of all of these experiences, probably the one that bothers me the most. Yeah, because I mean, if you wake up to with blood on your chest, it's like, well, it's not my blood, so whose blood is it? <laughs> right. What did I do? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, it's kind of I don't know. It, it that really, really kind of creeped me out, and you know, and I try not to think about that. Actually, our next door neighbor, <clears throat> my girlfriend told the next door neighbor for some reason, and she was like a Jehovah's Witness, the next door neighbor. And uh, she wouldn't speak to me after that. She was, like, convinced that it was, like, demonic. She thought I was worshiping the devil, which I wasn't. You know, I wasn't, you know, I mean, I wasn't uh, I wasn't following the Bible or, or Jesus' ways, you know. But I wasn't worshiping, worshiping the devil either. So, uh, but, yeah, she wouldn't speak to me after that. I lived there for, like, two more years, and she wouldn't say one word to me. That's interesting. Yeah. 
So I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what to make of that. But that's where I kind of like everything to me kind of starts blending together. Um, you know, I, I just think it's all correlated. It's all all connected. <clears throat> so my next big event was actually my first UFO sighting. Um, it was uh, November 2009. It was a week before Thanksgiving. I was working at Hotel Hershey in Hershey, Pennsylvania. I don't know if you're familiar. It's like a pretty famous property, yeah. at least around here. So anyways, I was working there. It's a massive property. It's, uh, they have 600 guest rooms um, with three restaurants inside the hotel, actually. There's two lobbies. 75,000 square feet of like guest room and ball or uh, ballroom space and, and meeting space. It's, it's a huge property. Okay. So I was working, I had to end up, uh, I was doing room service that night. So we would have to stay until midnight. If you got, if you had to cover room service, you stayed until midnight, but the restaurant closed at 10, all the other guys would leave work at 10 30. So between 10 and 10.30, the guy that was covering room service would take his half-hour break. So that's what I did. I go out into the, the parking lot. Uh, I'm at the top of the steps overlooking the employee parking lot. Off to my left, it's kind of looking towards like Grantville, um, Indian Town Gap, um, if anybody's familiar with that area. Um, when I'm, I'm looking at my phone, it was a new cell phone. I had actually just gotten it like a day or two in advance. And I'm looking at my phone. This was before smartphones. So I was like downloading screensavers or something stupid like that. And I start seeing this orange light, this amber, I'd say more amber, um, out of the corner of my left eye. And the first time I thought, okay, the moon is really weird orange tonight. And I, I looked in that direction. There's nothing there. So I go back to my phone. I don't think anything of it. Well, 10 seconds later, I start seeing this orange light again out of the corner of my eye. Look again. And the second time that I look in this direction, it looks like, well, it goes out, but it's so far in the distance. It's like beyond the tree line. So it's kind of like it went like behind a tree and I'm thinking, okay, at any minute now, I'm going to see like a helicopter or something like that pop out above the tree line and just keep going. So I go back to my phone. I'm still not thinking that there's anything weird going on. About 10 seconds later, again, I start to see this light. And I look, and this time I notice it's, it's in the shape of like a half circle. And the, it looked like, well, all right, well, I'll, I'll explain it more here in a second. So it, it's in the shape of a half circle, and it blinks out as I look at it, but it's above the tree line. So now I'm starting to realize there's something weird going on here. And I actually put my phone in my pocket and start looking at this thing, like thinking, there's no way I'm seeing a UFO. This isn't just happening. So I'm waiting for it again. Now it's been three times that this thing is lit. You know, it's, it's been lighting up. I know it's going to come again and it's going to be closer because it's moving closer each time. So again, about 10 seconds later, it starts to light up. And again, it's even closer. This time it's coming towards the edge of the property which I would say was maybe 300 yards away. And I get, I get a little bit of a detail on it. So it starts with, it's five lights. And what it would do was it would light up the, the first light on the left from my perspective. So I guess it's right, my left. 
the first light would light up and then the second light and then the third light and then the fourth light and then the fifth light. And once all five would light up, it would blink out completely. So it did this lighting sequence and there's, I'm watching it, you know, it's pretty big. Um, There's no sound, no sound whatsoever. So it happens again. By the fourth time, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm watching this thing and I know, okay, it's about to fly directly over my head. So does it again. And then it does it a fifth time. And by the fifth time, it is, it's directly over my head. Same thing, same lighting sequence. Left light goes on, one next to that, one next to that, one next to that, one next to that. As soon as all five are lit up and it's like a perfect half circle or like a crescent, the whole thing blinks out. But when it's directly over my head and I actually look straight up at it, the size, it is every bit as big as the hotel. And you can hear a pin drop. I mean, I could actually hear the flags on top of the hotel flapping in the wind. This thing was, it was dead silent. And it couldn't have been more than, I I don't think it was more than 2,000 feet in elevation, if that, if that. I mean, this thing looked like it was barely, like, clearing the tree line. Um, And that's, you know, I watched, I, I mean, I watched this thing for at least three or four minutes the whole time didn't hear a sound and just watched it kind of lumber off into the distance. Um, eventually it was covered by the hotel. Uh, it went beyond the hotel. I couldn't see over the hotel and see it. I remember going back into work. I mean, my knees were shaking. I thought for sure I was going to go in and it was going to be all over the local news. I, I, I called my girlfriend at the time. She's my wife now, but she's my girlfriend at the time. I called her and told her that, record all the local news channels. I thought it was going to be all over the place. Nothing. Nobody saw anything, which is extremely frustrating. And I think actually with that, I made a, um, I think I, I, I think I filed a, a report with MUFON like years ago. Um, but uh, I, yeah, that and that was kind of what kicked off me, like starting to really look into UFOs. And when I started looking into UFOs, I, you know, everybody kind of starts with like the same things, you know, it, it kind of the nuts and bolts and, you know, generic descriptions of them. Sure. But eventually, you know, I started getting into all these stories and that's when I, I started, especially when you get to the abduction stuff, you know, and that's when I kind of started like piecing everything together. Okay. You know, all of this happened in my childhood. All of this happened through, you know, puberty, my teens. It's just that, you know, everything kind of finally started clicking. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't say it was a welcome relief, but at least for once I was getting some answers. Um, and that was when I really started digging into things.
Hello, this is Forrest and Scott from Astonishing Legends, and when we're not hunting down ghosts, cryptids, and mysteries, we're listening to The Confessionals with Tony Merkel. So when you saw this thing, and if I remember correctly, you called it a, a half circle, right? Right, yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm trying to pick the, picture this in my head. Uh, did you see any texture with this, or was it just a smooth surface? Were you able to see that much detail? There was no texture. It was a smooth. The only thing that I could see, okay, I could see the light, and when it was directly above me, I could see it blocking out the stars. Um, but that was it. I, I couldn't see any more than that. Um, so so when you when you saw this thing, uh, if you could describe it. Would you say that it was very much mechanical in nature? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess, I mean, I would, I can't say it was biological, but do I say it was mechanical? I don't, I don't know because I think this thing was huge. It was, like I said, I don't think it was more than 2,000 feet above the ground. And you couldn't hear a sound. If this was like a 747 that low, the ground would have been shaking. You know? Yeah. And to me, that's mechanical. Um, but if it's not mechanical, what is it? You know, I don't know. But was there a physical craft there? Uh, yeah, I can't say there wasn't. You know, I mean, it, it was blocking the stars out. Um, it was moving in a, I mean, it was moving in a deliberate way. As a matter of fact, the last time that it lit up before it went behind the hotel, it kind of banked to the right, like it was cutting off towards like the like the south. Um, as a matter of fact, that night I went on to I think it was that either that night or the night afterwards. I went on to um, was, I want to say it was called like myufoblog.com or something like that. I don't. It was like the only website that I could find where people would post like ufo sightings so it was like that day or the day after and i posted my sighting and then i completely forgot that i had posted that sighting until like a year later and i went back and there was a person in york pennsylvania who commented on it and saw the exact same thing that i did 45 minutes after the after i did wow so i i re-commented to that person and they never commented back and now i can't find that website anymore which i wish I wish I had like known to take screenshots or something at the time, you know, <clears throat> but yeah, it was called my UFO blogspot.com or something. That's, that's what I want to say it is. Wow. Well, I mean, at least that's confirmation confirmation for you personally, you know? Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it, like I said, I mean, it's, it was so, it was so close up and lasted so long. I mean, I knew I wasn't going crazy at that point. Um, but again, like at that point, I still hadn't like connected the dots with anything yet. So to me, it was like you know, at the first, you know, at first it was like, wow, I never thought I'd see a UFO. That's really cool, you know. And then it was, I started digging into, you know, I started with, you know, I I just started with like uh, some of the mainstream um, UFO books that you come across. Uh, you know, the ones on Rendell from Forrest and stuff like that, reading that. Then eventually I ended up getting into, like, John Keel. And that was when I really started piecing things together. Like, wait a second. You know, 
high strangeness and paranormal activity kind of all goes together. Um, yeah. And I guess yeah. that, that was, that was really when I started like questioning things, I guess you could say. Um, okay. So, so yeah. And that was, uh, that was November of 2009. So what happened after that? I think you said there was something else that happened, right? Yeah. So there was one more, the, the last event that I remember, um, we had just moved back from New Jersey to uh, central Pennsylvania. I was living with my mom. Uh, we, we moved in with my mom. My son was like, a, he wasn't even a year old yet, maybe six, seven months old. Um, and I was, I worked about five miles away. I actually went back to work with Hershey. I was actually at the Hershey lodge at the time. Um, I was driving down the main street from Hershey into the town that my mom lives into. <laughs> and it was, I don't know, maybe like a third of the, about a third of the way home, I noticed this light, like two blocks back on the left side at, at like my 10 o'clock position. Um, it, something was off with it. I mean, there was no blinking FAA light. It, it looked like it was too, it, it was too close and too low to the ground to be like a conventional aircraft. Um, at first, I didn't think anything of it. I actually, I ended up stopping at a gas station, got a pack of cigarettes, bought a new lighter, got back in my car and I get out. And that's why I noticed like, start driving home. Well, this thing isn't moving. It's not passing me up and it's not going in the opposite direction. I'm not getting any closer to it. It kept its position the entire time at like my 10 o'clock position, about two, two blocks back. So I still really wasn't all that freaked out. I ended up, I cut back blocks to the right so now i'm four blocks from this thing and i'm actually on the the block that my mom lives on and heading in the same direction and i'm still watching it i'm watching it from the left and it's kind of like this appearing and disappearing as like houses cover it while i'm driving and i came to a stop sign about three blocks from my mom's house and i had a clear clear shot at this thing and i stopped and was looking at it this was almost midnight. I stopped and was looking at it and I got this distinct impression that it was, it knew that I was looking at it and I knew that it was looking at me as the only way that I can describe it. It, it creeped me out. So I ended up like gunning it. We we're, we live in a, um, it's like a, uh, a residential area. Sea limit is 25 miles an hour. I mean, I, I hit 50 miles an hour going home. Those last three blocks, I actually wanted a cop to pull me over. I was pretty creeped out. So I hurry up. I pull into my mom's driveway. And the way her driveway is, it wraps around the side of the house. So as I pull in and I go around the side of the house, it blocks my view of this this light that's in the sky. So I pull up, and I'm getting ready to just hightail it into the house. And, and it kind of hits me. Okay, if these things are coming to take me, if something's coming to take me, they're coming in the house regardless. Like there's nothing I can do. So I decided to get out of the car and kind of backtrack my way. I, I walk around the side of the house out to the front. Cause I'm thinking if this thing is in front of my mom's house, if it's coming for me, I'm just going to get back in my car. I'm going to drive out on a back road and let it take me there. I don't want it coming into my house where my wife and my son are sleeping. So I, I start walking around to the front of the house. 
and every bone in my body, I mean, every cell in my body is saying that this thing is going to be like hovering over the road right in front of my mom's house. So that was what I was completely expecting to happen. And I walk around to the front of the house and there's nothing there. So I actually go out to the road. I walked like four houses down the street and I'm looking in the direction of where this light should be. There's nothing there. So I was relieved. I, I went in the house. I took a shower went down to the kitchen, made something to eat and tried to go to bed while well, I'm laying in bed. And I'm still kind of antsy about the whole situation. Uh, it just, it didn't sit right with me. So I'm laying there probably from like one until like two o'clock in the morning. I think it was, I get up, I decide I'm going to go outside. I'm going to smoke a cigarette. Maybe that'll help me calm down or whatever. And if not, I'm just going to go to sleep on the couch downstairs. So I go, I sit out on my mom's back porch, light up a cigarette, and at the corner of her property, so there's a tool shed and there's like, I don't know if it's, like, I don't know if you'd say a pine tree grove. It's like seven or eight pine trees, kind of like a cluster of them that separates her yard from the neighbors. And it's really dark over there because of these, they're big pine trees. Like you can almost, you know, me at six, four, I can almost walk completely under these pine trees without like ducking. I mean, I have to duck a little bit, but they're big pine trees. So I'm looking off in this direction and I see movement out of my left eye. And, and I look and I'm letting, I, I'm trying to like train my eyes on, on this area. It was really dark that night, but there's something white contrasting the, the background and the trees. Something, I don't know if it was white or at least lighter in color, but it was definitely there. And I'm standing there looking at it. And I'm trying to let my eyes focus on whatever this white thing is in these pine trees. And the next thing I know, I'm standing in my mom's kitchen and I hear the shower upstairs turn on. And it's like six o'clock in the morning and my mom's getting ready for work. And I'm just standing in the middle of the kitchen doing nothing. Wow. Um, so, again, I, you know, I just went to sleep. I told my wife about that. She actually, she thought that I had like fallen asleep out on the back porch smoking a cigarette and was sleepwalking back into the house. I, I guess theoretically, is that possible? Sure. I don't know. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, you just have to, you have to piece a lot of things together to get to that conclusion. And then actually the next day, that pack of cigarettes and lighter that I had just bought that night on my way home, I've never seen them again. They were, they were just gone. I figured they would turn up somewhere. You know, maybe I set them down somewhere, not paying attention. Gone, gone. I, you know, so I don't know. See, man, like you've experienced all these different things, and here's the 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 trippy part about all this is that you've experienced uh, this time lapse slash abduction scenario, flying solo and with groups of people who also remember this thing happening, and that's the right. trippy part about this because you know. I'm I'm the guy I'm the guy that sits here listens to your story and tries to draw an image in my mind as to what was going on and you know like it's hard it's hard to figure this out because of the scenario that you're presenting this with because it, there was no real one constant other than yourself that was in each of these stories right well yeah and you know and I've come to that conclusion Actually, like, 
after that, um, after the Jimmy Buffett experience, I actually blamed my friend John, not to him personally. I thought he was, you know, he was there the first time I had a missing time event. He was there the second time. I thought he was the common denominator. And I, you know, I actually started questioning whether I should hang out with him or not. And it wasn't until I actually, you know, years down the road started looking into this stuff that I was thinking, man, this stuff's been going on my whole life. I don't think it was him, you know? Maybe I was the common denominator. Um, yeah. Now, with you know, but, with that idea, uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, why do you have any opinion as to why you think this could have been happening to you? I don't know. I mean, I think, I, you know what, I've always been perceptive to things, if that makes sense. I, I don't know how else to word it. Um, uh, let me think, how, how can I word this that makes sense? Um, I think I've always been open to things that maybe some other people aren't. Um, I don't know. I, I I really don't know how to word it. I think just after like a lifetime of having like weird events, you just you kind of open yourself up to possibilities. Maybe, maybe that's what I'm feeling. You know what I mean? Um, it, at this point, after everything, I can't just turn a blind eye, you know, and I've got to wonder like, is there, is there something? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Like I said to you in the uh, in the conversation, you know, before we, you know, when we first talked, I don't know. I have a really hard time saying I'm an abductee, but I think it'd be very naive of me to say I'm not. You know? Right. What is it about saying that you're an abductee that bothers you the most? I think it's just the fact that the can of worms that I don't want to open. Um, I think I was, if I was presented with the opportunity for like, uh, like hypnosis, yeah, I wouldn't do it. I, I don't think I would do it. I, I think that, um, you know, I, I, I sleep well at night. I live a relatively normal life. You know, I don't, I, I, I don't dwell on this stuff, you know? Um, I don't think that's a can of worms that I want to open. And that's always been like, kind of like a comforting thing for me, you know, all through my life growing up was always, I would experience these really weird things, but sun always rose the next day. I always woke up in bed, you know, and my life went on. I went to school or I went to work or whatever life went on, you know? And I think that was like the comforting constant that I always had. And I think I just kind of like, you know, for me, I, I'd like to keep it at that, <laughs> you know? I mean, if the time ever comes that, um, if, that, if that's something that I have to open up, I, I think I would if I had to, but I don't think I have to, at least not at this point. Um, okay. I'm kind of, I'm at peace with, I'm, I'm at peace with everything at, thus far. Um, and I haven't had anything since that last, that, that July, 2013, I haven't had anything since then. Well, I've had some weird things since then, but I don't really want to get into that. Okay. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so these things happen to you, uh, 
and you have it seems like you have mixed feelings on on everything like you i mean you it's like the world around you and all your research says abduction but you're you you don't want to say that uh and and i understand your reasoning behind it and the things that you've experienced throughout your entire life that build up to this these moments uh i do i personally think that they're related as well uh that's just my own opinion um it seems like you kind of agree with that uh so i mean <sighs> I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this question for you. Uh, but you had, you know, these experiences from when you were a kid where you, you're waking up with, you know, leaves in your bed. Uh, you're seeing red lights in your room getting sucked out by a vacuum. And then you start experiencing you know, these lost, this lost time with your friends and then it happens to you flying solo one night. Like there's all this stuff that's happening to you. Uh, if it's not, if it's not extraterrestrial, what would be your next logical conclusion? Well, I think it has to be, um, that I just, I have a hard time. I have a hard time admitting it. Um, but at the same time, and I think I said to you in the email, I don't think it's extraterrestrial. Um, I do think it's demonic. And I think what pushed me to that was that night that I woke up covered in blood. Um, because that doesn't fit the extraterrestrial um, narrative, you know. Um, it, it all has to, there, it, it's all tied together. So about two years ago, I became a Christian. and. I think one of the reasons that really that I left, you know, I grew up going to church. My dad's a Baptist. He he actually used to like fill in for the pastor if the pastor was sick. Um, he was like one of, you know, I mean, you know, you talk about Bible thumpers. I mean, that was him. You know, he was on the street yeah. corner, you know, preaching and stuff. So I grew up in that environment and I completely... I would say my early teen years, I completely turned my back on that um, because of my experiences, you know, because I would, I would talk to him and I would never tell him what exactly was happening to me, but I would kind of drop hints, you know, and like, you know, what do you make of this? What do you make of that? <laughs> and it was always, you know, a cookie cutter response, you know, well, that's the devil, you know, don't pay attention to it. Or, you know, he would kind of laugh it off at times. Um, so when I became a Christian two, like, two, two years ago, I, I really had to reconcile these experiences because from everything that I understood, the Bible didn't speak about any of this, you know? So one of two things, you know, either the Bible is wrong or, or these things are tied into it. You know, that's the only way that it can be. So I started looking into it and you know, there, there, there's a one Bible verse that really, really, really sticks out to me. And I think this has something to do with end time prophecy. And it's Daniel 243. I mean, that, that verse, when I first read it, just, I mean, it, it, it lit up in my mind. And I can actually, I can read it for you if you'd like me to. You'll, you'll, you probably know yeah, it. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, let, me, let me turn the, the dome light on on my car. So, okay, so. Daniel 2, 2.43 is speaking about the, uh, um, 
the statue, the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had about the, the, um, you know, the statue of different metals and the upcoming kingdoms of the world. So, okay, for any, any readers that don't know this verse, the, the verse is, and where, whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave to one another as iron is not mixed with clay. This verse, I think there's so much more to it than the Christian church preaches. And I spent like weeks on this thing, breaking it down. I read it in Hebrew. I read it in Greek. I looked at every single word. And there's a lot more to this. You know, the the mainstream teaching, you know, the, the, the cookie cutter teaching on this is that, okay, so the statue was these different kingdoms, right? You've got like that, was it the head of gold, the, the shoulder and chest of silver, the torso of bronze, the legs of iron, and these are different. Uh, different world kingdoms, which I agree with. But now when it gets to the feet, okay, you got the 10 toes, it's cracked, and it's iron and clay mixed together, and it's it's cracked. It won't mix. That's the final kingdom. Okay, so now if you actually break this verse down, okay, so right at the beginning, it says, they shall mingle themselves with the feet of men. Right there, that's saying that they are not human. They is somebody else mingling themselves with the seed of human. That's a genetic mixture right there. What does every single alien abduction account center around? It's yeah, Berminova and a hybridization program. Okay, so you can break this down even more. But they shall not cleave. Okay, now cleave, most translations will say that that means stick to. They won't stick to one another. But the Hebrew word for cleave actually has two meanings, and one of those meanings is passion. Okay, I think there's sexual connotations there. So, they shall not cleave. I think that's saying that it's going to be a mixture of DNA, but it's not going to be through natural copulation. It's going to be technological, which again brings me back to the alien abduction scenario. And what's interesting to me, now this is why I think, I think these I think they are biological suits for the Nephilim. And I don't want to get all biblical. And I hope you're... I'm fine with it, man. Don't, like, turn off. That's <laughs> but, fine. Um, okay, so... And then it says, as iron is not mixed with miry clay. So if you look at miry clay, miry clay actually... It's, it's a Jewish idiom. It, it means dust, but it's a Jewish idiom that actually speaks of being dead. Okay, so miry clay is an idiom that means that you're, you're going to be... You're, you're, it's speaking of the dead. Okay, so this last kingdom is going to mix with the dead. Now, if you go back into the Old Testament, the Rephaim, which was one of the Nephilim tribes, Rephaim means the dead. Um, The valley of the Rephaim is the valley of the dead. And this was a Nephilim tribe, and I think this was actually the first first generation Nephilim. And they were called the Rephaim, the dead. So this is saying that the last kingdom of the world is going to mix with the dead. I think that's the Rephaim that they're talking about. And it's going to be through technological means, not physical copulation. Honestly, I think what's going on here is Genesis 6 all over again. Only they're, they're not, you know, they're not coming back as giants and trying to, you know, take the world over from a physical war standpoint. I think it's a more covert from the inside out standpoint. And if you read any of like, I mean, like Dr. David Jacobs, 
you know, he looks at everything from a secular point of view. I, you know, I, I respect that I understand it. I think he's missing the point, but the information that he has, I mean, you know, he follows these, these abductees from generation to generation where now he's starting to see the hybridization program where they're starting to come to, you know, they're, they're at the point now where like the abductees are telling him that like they're helping these guys get apartments and go shopping. And this was like 10, 15 years ago. Where are they now? You know, it's progressing. I think it's progressing to a point where, I mean, I think it's going to be a covert takeover. And this is exactly why, you know, Luke, what is it? Luke uh, 1736, where he says, you know, as in the days of Noah, so shall be the coming of the days of man. It's, it's happening all over again. And I think that we're witnessing right. this happen. Um, I mean, I think it's, I think it's right there in the Bible. Um, you know, if you look at some of the older Jewish texts, you know, where, where it talks about the nefesh, where, you know, each kind shall, shall reproduce after its own, you know, because there's what's called a nefesh. It's a, it's a God prescribed spirit or soul. So a dog mates with a dog. There's a God prescribed soul for that puppy you know, or a kitten or a human. But if you mix two things that aren't supposed to be mixed, there's no nefesh for that. It, it becomes an empty vessel. And that's what I think these, these aliens are creating. I think they're creating empty vessels for the dead souls of the Nephilim to inhabit. That's my personal opinion. That's what I think is going on. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... <sighs> there's a lot of things that you just said, said there that uh, I do agree with. and. Um... You know, you talk about uh, that Luke verse where, you know, just as it was in the days of Noah, so will be in the coming of the Son of Man. Uh, That verse, and you talked about the Christian church, and, you know, that verse doesn't, they they interpret it differently because they're not thinking Nephilim. When when you read Genesis 6-4 and how it says and after referring to the flood well we are the and after we are post flood and when jesus is saying it's going to be like it was in the days of noah everybody thinks people are you know they're being naughty they're they're killing people right. they're they're ill-willed they're stealing they're they're uh you know stealing people's wives things like that they're not thinking bigger picture. Yes, right, there was right. lots of sinning going on. Yes, the world was trash with trashy people, but there was a lot bigger of a there was a much more sinister plot at play that caused God to say I have to scrap this. I have to start this over. And that is a key thing to grasp for the rest of the biblical narrative from Genesis to revelation. And so, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely something for people to look into. Let's just put it that way. Well, and let let me throw this out. Okay. Now you look at the the book of Enoch. I think it's either Enoch or Jasher. I think it's Enoch where God condemns the fallen angels that, that came down and made it with human women, that they would be, in chains underground for 70 generations. Okay. A, a, a biblical generation is 70 years. So 70 generations of 70 years is 4,900 years. 
4,900 years from the time of the flood takes us right to about the start of the 19 or the, uh, the, the early 1900s, 1900s basically. Yeah. And that's when we see this technological boom. This is when we see the governments of the world becoming corrupt. This is when, I mean, really, as far as I'm concerned, everything kind of went to crap, you know, on, on, a, on a large scale. The, the corruption started. And I don't think that's a coincidence. You know, and at the same time, you look at it, you know, what, the late 1800s is when we started seeing airships in Texas. And, you know, this is when the whole UFO thing kind of started to ramp up. And then you can kind of slowly see it progress from, you know, the 1940s, 1950s, it's just lights in the sky. 1960s, it seems like it's scientific testing. You know, 1970s, they're tracking generations. You know, it seems like it's generational. Um, you know, and that's, it seems like that, and it does. It seems like they're following bloodlines, you know. Yeah. Um, what blood? I don't know. I mean, I, what blood type are you? Do you know? I, I'm AB positive. Okay. But so, when I first started looking into this, this was back in like the the, the early 2000s. I actually I read the Mothman prophecies because they actually filmed it not too far from Pittsburgh because Point Pleasant, West Virginia, is only like an hour and a half, I think, south of Pittsburgh or something like that. And when the movie came out, I, had, I knew nothing about it. I bought the book because I knew they were filming the movie in Pittsburgh, but I knew nothing. I, I'd never heard of The Mothman. I'd never heard of anything about this. So I bought the book, and I was reading it, and they're talking about all these UFO flaps going on in the area. And if you've ever read the book, it's more about UFOs and high strangeness than The Mothman. Mothman's almost like a side note. Yeah. Um, but uh, I remember saying to my mom, I remember asking my mom, I said, you know, do you believe in UFOs? And she was like, and my, and like you know, I told you before, my mom's pretty like kind of, you know, she's, she's kind of black and white, you know, it, she doesn't kind of get in with anything that she considers BS. And, um, and I asked her if she believes in UFOs and she said, you know, I never would, but your, your grandparents saw one. And, and she was just like, all that I know is it was down in the desert Southwest. It was, you know, it was back in the eighties and, and they saw some kind of weird light in the sky. Well, my grandmother passed away in 1998. In 2002, I got a DUI and I lost my driver's license. And my grandfather, he like kind of he offered to give me rides to and from work anytime I needed a ride. Yeah, I think he was lonely. Um, so I, I, you know, it, it worked out. I mean, it was pretty cool. We actually got to bond a little bit, like on a on an adult level. You know, we were always close. You know, as me growing up, he was my grandfather. We were always pretty tight. But you know, like. He, we started bonding on like an adult level where he actually, he told me about like a DUI that he had in the seventies that even my grandmother didn't know about. He didn't tell anybody. Um, so one night he picked me up from work and he asked me if I wanted to go get a bite to eat at this restaurant that he used to like to go to. And I said, yeah, sure. So we went there and, and they were completely packed. So we just went to the bar and we started, we started drinking and I, it was like three drinks in. I, I, I think I did a shot or something like that. I mean, I was feeling pretty warm and, uh, and I asked him, I said, hey, Pop, you know, did you, uh, you know, mom told me that you and grandma saw a UFO out in the desert somewhere. And my grandfather was a West Point grad, military, you know, a career military man. He was a high ranking officer in the, in the Army. He, he didn't, you know, he would not, he was not the type of person that looked for attention or, you know, he, he was just a, a straight cut to the chase kind of guy. Um, you know, I mean, military man, when he retired from the military, he went to work as a foreman in the steel mill until they shut down and then he just retired. But, 
you know, he's one of those guys, you know, his word is his bond. He's not, he wouldn't talk about it. Actually, my mom told me to never ask him about it. But at that point I figured, you know, I had, I had a, a couple beers in me and it might be a good idea. He went on to tell me this story that they were driving from, they used to drive from Pittsburgh to Las Vegas every year. That was his favorite place on earth. My grandmother would not fly. So they would drive across the country. Uh, and at the time, my aunt, their daughter, was living in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And my uncle, their son, was in Phoenix, Arizona. So they would make this cross-country trip. And they would head south. They would go to Albuquerque. They would stay for a few days. They would go to Phoenix, stay for a few days, and then hit Las Vegas, stay there for a week or two, and then come home. And I actually remember the last time that they went was about the mid-'86, 87, something like that. Um, which actually, now that I think about it, I don't know if that has a correlation. So that's kind of like the same time that this stuff started up for me but um i guess that he goes on to tell me this story they were between he used to like to drive at night they were between albuquerque and phoenix and uh it was after 11 o'clock at night my grandmother was in the passenger seat and she had the seat reclined she was awake she was looking out the window and i guess at one point she says my grandfather she says there's this weird star and it's following us and he just kind of brushed it off and was just like, hey, there's no stars following us. It's, you know, we're out in the middle of nowhere. They're brighter than usual. That's all that it is. Well, like five minutes later, he sits up and is like upset at this point and was like, no, seriously, there's something following us in the sky. And she points. And so he starts looking at it. And he says, this thing descended like right over the car. I don't know how far. He never went into detail about that. But when it was right over the car, the headlights went out, the radio went out, the odometers went crazy. He had the he had the gas pedal like pegged to the floor and the car wouldn't go more than like 10, 15 miles an hour. Um, and this went on for a good five minutes while this thing was there. Well, then the thing eventually just flies off, goes away. The car starts riding normal again. The gas pedal starts working. The radio comes back on. The headlights come back on. But within minutes of that happening, he had to pull over on the side of the road and they both ended up vomiting and getting sick. And they had to stop at the, the first town that they came to and get a motel when they were planning on just driving straight through the night to Phoenix. Um, and that was all that he told me. I mean, it sounds like an episode of, uh, you know, Unsolved Mysteries or something like that, you know. But yeah. this is coming from, like I said, this is, you know, he's a West Point grad, uh, uh, you know, uh, officer in the military. He doesn't make stuff up like that. He never told anybody. I think I'm the only person he's ever actually told that story to. Um, and it makes me wonder now, looking back, A, did they have a missing time event? And two, that's around the time when my events kicked up. Does that have something to do with it? I don't know. You know, I mean, and that's something I'll never know. I mean, both my grandparents now that passed away, I, I couldn't even talk to them about it. If I, I, I probably wouldn't want to even if I could, you know. But I don't know. It's just an odd correlation, you know, that... I don't really know what to make of it. I've been reading books of old, the legends and the myths, Achilles and his gold, Achilles and his gifts, Spider-Man's control, and Batman with his fist. And clearly I don't see myself upon that list. But she said, where'd you want to go? How much you want to risk? I'm not looking for somebody with some superhuman gifts Some superhero, some fairy tale bliss Just something I can turn to, somebody I can kiss I want something just like this Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do
this is Darren Marlar from the Weird Darkness Podcast, and you're listening to The Confessionals. I, I, I'm having a hard time trying to think about how uh, we can tie this all together because uh, you have so many experiences, and it's throughout your life, uh, and in anything from ha- waking up with blood on you to bruises to lost time. And I do believe I, I believe you are correct when you say that you believe that it's all related. I, I really do tend to agree with you on that. Uh, and it's I guess really it comes down to what do you define extraterrestrials? How do you define extraterrestrials? Uh, because, you know, people who are listening to us talk about this right now, there are people who probably more than likely don't believe in the Nephilim. They don't believe that that ever happened or it existed. Right. Uh, there's people that are Christians who read that and they, that, that those scripture verses and they interpret them totally different. And they, they, they have a, a, an interpretation that does not involve uh, fallen angels having sex with women of the earth. None of that. Uh, there's people who don't believe in the Bible, period. And so everything right. within it is false. Uh, and so, uh, it really comes down to what your worldview is as to how people are going to view your experiences. Uh, but what you can't do is, uh, look at your experiences and say that they're unrelated because, uh, I, I think, one of the biggest things for you in most of your experiences, if not all, uh, is the the lost time. I mean, it, did you have the lost time when you woke up with the blood on your chest? No, that that time I didn't. Not that I know of. Not that I know of. Um, and that, I've, I've experienced. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask you when that that blood on your chest was that something that you just went to bed normal and or what you went to sleep normal and woke up with blood on your chest? Right. Yeah, I woke up in the middle of the night, like an hour and a half later, like freezing cold, and I was soaking wet. I thought it was wet, and it wasn't until I turned the lamp on and realized that it was blood. I was like, I was covered in blood. Um. So yeah, I didn't experience any lost time. Every time I've experienced lost time was in, well. The first two times was broad daylight, and I was with other people. Um, so those are the ones I really can't discount. You know, the last time, like I said, was at my mom's house on the back porch when I was smoking that cigarette. After that, what, what it seemed like I was being followed home by a light in the sky. Um, you know, and like I said, my mom or my wife thinks that I just fell asleep on my mom's back porch and sleepwalked back into the house. I I can't discount that as a possibility. You know. Um, I, I think it's a stretch, you know, I mean, when you take everything into account, I think it's a stretch to say that there's a rational explanation for it. I don't know. Um, I don't know, but, but I see, I don't think she really understands the full scope of everything either, you know, but she's going to just brush it off. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. One of these days I'd like to make her listen to this podcast. She can at least understand where I'm coming from, but that might be a bad idea at the same time too. So. Yeah. Well, it's however you want to do it, man. Cause I've, I've talked right. to guys on the show that they share things in the show that they will never tell their wives, uh, because they just don't want their wives to know what happened in their own house, you know? 
Right, right. Well, yeah, absolutely. I get that. Absolutely. I get that. Yeah. So, so it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's weird, but I, I absolutely, you know, I think it's all tied together. You know, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, if somebody came to me and they said, you know, hey, I've seen, I've seen, I, I've had paranormal activity. I've seen UFOs. I've seen Bigfoot. I'd look at them and say, you're crazy. And, you know, nobody sees all, most people don't see any of those. You've seen all three, you're crazy or you're lying, you know, but, but at the same time, when you experience it, so like me, like I've experienced it and I would discount somebody that said that to me. So how do I even say that to somebody that hasn't experienced any of it? You know what I mean? Kind of. Yeah. Well, I mean, when it comes to that stuff, uh, I would say this, that people experience stuff and they can't pick and choose what they experience. And when you are talking about uh, somebody who has experienced a, a UFO slash, uh, let's just say a UFO alien abduction encounter plus a uh, Bigfoot encounter, uh, you know, what is Bigfoot? It, because it, it, if Bigfoot is a Nephilim type creature, all of a sudden it falls into a very similar category as your definition right. with an alien, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's all the same thing. So yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, like, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, I've been toying with this idea and I'm not sold on anything. You're never, I'm not going to ever come out and say, this is what Bigfoot is. Cause I don't stink and know, but, uh, you know, when you look at extra canonical books, it talks about the fallen angels. Not only it mentions about what they did in Genesis, but it says not only did they do that, but they also did it with animals and plants. They wanted to corrupt all DNA. They wanted to corrupt all of God's creation. And if that's the case, what do you get with uh, when you combine a Nephilim with a giant gorilla? You know, right, right. what do you get when you well, combine and- a fallen angel with a, a wolf? You know, Right. And then you look at Melba Ketchum. I know she's taken a lot of hell for that, but you look at her study. I don't know. I think there's a lot more truth to that. I think when she said angelic DNA, I I think she was kind of speaking out of context from her own worldview. But I think there's a lot more truth to that than she even knows. And I think that's what got her in trouble. That's when people started to back off and say, whoa, you know, and I don't know much about science or like DNA, but, you know, from what I know about that study, I, I think what she had was legit, you know, um, you know, I mean, they're getting, they're getting human women. What is that? Mitochondrial DNA and, and these Bigfoot samples, but they can't trace the father. You got to take note to that. Right. You know what I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, that says something. I mean, and then again, going back to what I said, yeah, it's the same. there's no nefesh for that. There's no God prescribed soul for that. So that becomes an empty vessel. But does that mean that every Bigfoot is like a like you know possessed by a demon? I, yeah, it's possible. It really is, you know, because what are demons? It's the dead souls of the Nephilim. Yeah. If you believe in that, you know. Well, and that's something that you get out of an extra 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 canonical books. I don't believe the Bible talks about where demons come from, uh, but that's what you know. Right, I, right. I, I believe it was the Book of Enoch said, it describes it as, uh, "Hey, dead Nephilims, their spirit, yeah, same thing as demons." And if that's the case, then they are hungry for a body to inhabit, a.k.a. Right. Possessions, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, that's that. 
that that's that, that's kind of what I believe. That's how I kind of wrap it all up. I, you know, and it, I don't know. I mean, like I don't know. Like I said, you know, with me with my experience, it's it's weird to try to like. It's hard for me to put it into a box and say that like, okay, I've experienced this and I'm part of that. I don't know. I mean, that's it creeps me out. I mean, it creeps me out to read alien abduction accounts where people talk about like what happened to them while they were gone. Have I gone through that? And it, it, it creeps me out. Actually, the one thing that I said that like I wasn't going to talk about, I'll actually mention really quickly. Um, you know, when I said like last thing that I experienced was 2013, I said I've had yeah. weird things since then, but I'm not going to talk about it. I've had these experiences where it's going to be really, really weird, and I, I apologize. It's like awkward. Nope, it's um, fine. <laughs> don't judge me. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's weird. Okay. I've woken up in the morning to go to the bathroom. And I don't know how to say this. I don't know how to say this without being crude. I, I'm, I'm going to try my best not to be crude. That's fine. There's there's blood in the crotch of my underwear, but it's not from me. It's not. It's like it's like I was like with my wife on her time of the period and like didn't clean myself up and just put my underwear back on. But I wasn't with my wife, or it's not mm. her time of the month. And I don't know. I, I don't. It, that wow. bothers. That actually probably bothers me than more than waking up that night with the blood all over me. I I can't make sense of it. I can't. And it's happened at least three times. I mean, I've had to throw underwear away because I. It, it makes no sense to me. First time it happened was. 2010, 2011, something like that. And at first I thought it was like, uh, I thought I was like, you know, internal bleeding, testicular cancer, you right. know, I, all the worst things going. But now we're going on almost 10 years later and I'm completely healthy and it still happens, you know, so it's. Have you ever gone to a doctor to get it looked at? No. I mean, no. I, I, but are you, like, I'm, I'm, my, my question, I mean, I know this is a sensitive topic. I mean, it's like, you know, nobody really wants to talk about this, but, uh, right. uh, I mean, you said it's not your blood. Are you sure you, you, you don't have maybe a problem that sometimes you bleed? I mean, I know it sounds weird because <laughs> you would think it'd be pretty consistent if you had a problem. Right. Well, that's, that's I, I've looked into it. Like, it, it's not like going to be a random thing. If, if if I'm bleeding from that area, it's a health issue. And if it's been going on for 10 years, I would have known more about it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, you know, I, if it was testicular cancer or it was internal bleeding, I wouldn't be talking to you 10 years later, having never seen a doctor about it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, it would have been something serious and it would have had to have been addressed by now. And and I didn't address it at first because I'm, I'm like a bit of a hypochondriac. Like, I'm like, you know, I, I don't want to go to the doctor and get a bad news. I'm just going to pretend it goes away, but it doesn't go away. But like 10 years later, I'm still dealing with it, but there's nothing wrong with me. I go to the doctor, I get a physical, I'm completely healthy. There's nothing wrong with me. Do you know what I'm saying? So what's, what's going on with it? I don't know. And I don't really like, you know, and that's why like, I don't like to talk about it because I don't know what, that I have no box to put it in, you know, and I, well, can I try, can I try just throwing out some ideas and stuff? And I'm not saying this is what it is, um, at all. Uh, 
I'm just trying to throw ideas out there to help you brainstorm on things. We're going to brainstorm together here a little bit, um, if that's sure. okay with you. Um, yeah, yeah. Alien abductions. They're commonly talked about, and people talk about having uh, having or seeing sexual encounters with alien abductions. Uh, you have these missing time events and sometimes they're in groups. Sometimes you're solo. Uh, but you wake, you come to, you know, hours later, uh, a lot of things can happen in hours and you come to, and you have bruises on your body, uh, where it's like you've been abused and (sighs) you wake up with blood on your chest uh, blood in areas that you shouldn't be bleeding from and it's not your blood. And I'm wondering, I know you don't want to, I, I know it's hard for you to even talk about the, the whole, uh, abduction thing, uh, yeah. but yeah, I know. And I know where you're going with it. <laughs> I mean, brother, like, I mean, just because you don't remember what happened in between the time that you last looked at the clock and that five hours later when you're like, I'm missing time it doesn't mean nothing happened during that time. Clearly you have physical markings on your body that are saying things happened. And right. it's just like now, now it's like speculation as to what happened. And I know you said earlier about the whole not wanting to do regression thing. I don't blame you at all after hearing your experiences, because who would want to hear that dread of what you experienced? Who would want to see that again? Uh, because, you have the physical remains, you know, of whatever happened to you. And the last thing you want is for that to come to your forefront mind and see it all over again in your consciousness. Because when it's in your conscious mind, you are now going to remember it for a much longer time. Right. Yeah. I don't want the confirmation. <laughs> you know, that's, I don't want, you know, I, I mean, I, I've theorized about the whole, especially the blood in the underwear thing. I've, I've theorized. I've gone through like the darkest of ideas about it. Um, yeah, you know, it's kind of one of those, like I just, I, I, um, because I prefer to be blissfully naive. I guess is the only way that I can say, you know, I, I've thought of the implications that I, yeah. it doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't make sense. You know, I mean, I know I've, Never been unfaithful to my wife. That bothers. Yeah, that, that's what that that really bothers. Because that's that's the only sense that I can make. If I can't, I've never been unfaithful to my wife. And I'm waking up like this. I don't. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. I don't like to talk about it. I'm sorry, man. No, man. I totally get it, man. I really do. Like, even if you get your memories back of what happened, it's still going to leave you with more questions and answers. Because what are they? Who are they? Where are they from? How'd they get here? Why are they here? These are all questions that you'll have then. And I can't blame you for not wanting to go down that road to find out exactly what's going on because I you're probably never going to have all the answers 
And it's just going to give you more questions. The questions that it's going to give you questions that you didn't question before until you had the answers that you just got. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's a deep hole to go down. I totally get it, man. I totally get it. Yeah. And you know, like you, <laughs> you don't want to be questioned about your faithfulness to your wife. You don't want your wife thinking you're unfaithful. And this is just, I'm sure it's stressful. I'm sure it's stressful. Yeah, it's, it sucks. <laughs> Man, it sucks. Yeah, yeah. But and like I said, she doesn't know the whole story. And and what would she? How would she? How would she react if I sat down and just told her everything that I told you? You know what I mean? Like I, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. Could you bring it up to her in like a third person kind of thing? Like, just start talking about things, little pieces here, little pieces there, as like not you, but somebody else kind of thing. Um, you know, like, cause here, and here's the thing, here's the thing. Uh, I, I wouldn't blame you if you never talked to her about it. I just know like my nature, my nature personally is I tell my wife freaking everything. Like I, I I'm not good at holding secrets from her. And so if this stuff happened to me, I, I would be, be, by, I would be by beside myself if I didn't say something to her. And, um, you know, so I don't know how you are. I don't know if it's eating you up and you want to tell her. Um, but, uh, I totally get, you know, the struggle in it. I, I think I, I think I possibly could. I mean, I, I, you know, some of you, we've been married, we've been married for seven years now and I've, I've dropped her, you know, several hints here and there, you know what I mean? Like just to kind of see how she would, she would react to it. And it, you know, for the most part, I I don't think she would like outright reject me. I think she would. I think she would. I don't know. I think she'd be a lot like my mom. You know, like just kind of you know give me the cookie cutter response to like comfort me in the moment, forget it ever happened. You know what I mean? And I, and I say that like I don't mean like I have like resentment towards my mom because I she didn't understand. You know, and so she would say the easiest thing because she didn't want her son to be afraid at night, you know, but she didn't understand. And I, I can see my wife kind of having the same kind of response. I mean, like, well, it was my last missing time, you know, and when I told her, I said, you know, I went outside to smoke a cigarette. I see something in the pine trees moving. And next thing I know, it's, it's three hours later and I'm standing in the kitchen with my hands in my pocket, you know, like what? And and she said, "Well, you must have fallen asleep while you were smoking your cigarette, you know." And it's kind of like that, you know. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, you know, sometimes our wives uh, they don't want to be scared, you know. And I, because I know, right. from, I know from my personal experience with Lindsay, uh, if I tell her something that's kind of like on the edge of, you know, weird. Uh, that happened to me or something like that. Like in the moment she sympathizes and she kind of looks at, you know, me with concern and she'll ask a question or two. And then it's just like quiet. And the topic just somehow changes. Uh, Because (laughs) it's not that she doesn't believe me, but she doesn't know what to say. And it's like, she probably doesn't even want to dive into that because it's going to scare her, you know? Right. Yeah. It's easy. It's just to turn on the like, you know, the TV and and forget about it. And that's what I've been doing my whole life, you know. And I get it. I get it. One hundred percent. I get it. Um, 
and that's I don't know I I don't know I, I don't know that's kind of what I prefer to do like I said I don't know this is like a, a, a it's a can of worms you know I was actually like afraid leading up to this this conversation like it's just going to start things back up again you know it's been quiet since 2013 you know are they listening or you know what I, I don't know I mean that sounds crazy sounds crazy but well, it's not but that was actually going through my mind leading up to this so yeah and, and i don't think that sounds crazy at all to be honest with you because uh a lot of times people talk about their demonic experiences that they they've experienced and whenever they talk about it it drums up the activity again and that's because demons thrive on attention right they thrive on it and so if these things are demonic uh, that, that would make sense. Uh, I hope it's not the case for you. Uh, but I understand your concern with that for sure. Uh, and you know, brother, you got a story, man. You have a story and I understand why it makes you so nervous to talk about it. <laughs> well, well, that's good. Cause I was actually like thinking like, coming into this interview like i don't know if i even have enough to make this interesting <laughs> so but now yeah i mean oh no. listen it, it, i think most people out there listening to this right now are uh sympathetic for you and they probably are thinking along the same lines you and i are they might be more willing to say it uh but dude like there's a lot of things that you've experienced and I think a lot of it correlates. And I think that, um, I want to ask you this one question, um, before I forget when you've experienced this stuff, I'm assuming you never, uh, rebuked it in Jesus name because this is before you were a Christian, right? Right. Yeah, I, I haven't had, I have not had an experience since I became a Christian. And actually, you know what? I'll follow up with that, and I'll tell you this. What I used to be like petrified of driving at night, like especially on back roads. Uh, my my wife, she's from um, upstate New York, and we live in central Pennsylvania. Where a lot of times we would get off work if we were driving, we would go visit her her parents. We would drive through the night. We work in the in the hospitality industry, so I'd get off at like ten, eleven o'clock at night. We wouldn't get on the road until like midnight. We wouldn't get to our parents until four o'clock in the morning. So we'd be driving through like Poconos at three o'clock in the morning, or you know, the mountains of like you know Lower New York, which you know outside of New, you could be like forty five minutes from New York City, and there's nothing. You would think it'd be built up. There's nothing. Yep. It's just mountains. Bunch of Hazeltons. So, Right, right. So we're driving through there in the middle of the night, and I would be—I was paranoid. I mean, like almost hyperventilating because I'm thinking I'm going to get taken, you know. It, which well, sounds stupid because if they're going to take you, they're going to take you. It doesn't matter. I mean, obviously, I was at a Jimmy Buffett concert, you know. They're going to take you, but I used to be paranoid. I was—I was like really afraid. I would not like to drive at night since becoming a Christian since becoming you know knowing the truth i don't fear these things anymore i don't i haven't had the chance to rebuke them in the name of jesus christ i almost look forward to that um i mean nothing to me now i like nothing did they they hold 
nothing over my head. And that would be like the one thing that I would say to anybody, anybody that, that hasn't, anybody that like, isn't like really like, that doesn't, doesn't read the Bible, doesn't know the Bible. Um, man, it, it, it's a huge, huge difference. I mean, I've spent my entire life paranoid of these things coming and getting me. Now that I know who they are and I know who I am, they don't bother me. They don't, I'm not afraid of them. If they want to come, come get me, come get me, you know? Um, their masquerade is over, you know? They're not aliens. They don't scare. I used to be afraid of them because I thought they were from like another planet. Now that I know who they are, they don't scare me anymore. And then now that I know what power I have, forget about it. You know, I, it's a huge power shift. And, you know, maybe that's why I haven't experienced anything in the past few years. I don't know. But I welcome that experience because I'm going to I'm going to use that. I actually, like I said, I kind of look forward to it. I want to bust that out. They haven't seen me use that weapon yet. You know, and it, you're talking yeah, like a I guy who a... just got superpowers. That's how you, <laughs> that's how you sound, think... brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of truth to it. I think there's a lot of truth to it. You know, and I wonder, you know, I, you know, I mean, maybe I think maybe that's why I was protected for so long. I mean, I, I had all these weird experiences, but at the same time, I feel like I was protected, you know. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, and I, I, I get where you're coming from. And, you know, it's just like. I can tell you're still trying to figure it out in your head and put things together and, and understand things. Uh, and yeah, you know, I get it. Uh, taking you back to the experience where you were having the sleep, par- uh, sleep paralysis, can't even talk. Uh, when you said you saw these things go by the door and you saw their silhouette, was that like you saw a shadow go by the door or did you, or were they physically going by the door and they were just projecting a shadow because of light angles? No. Yeah. It was a physical being. Yeah. They, they walked past the They, they went right past the door. So you physically um, saw them with your own eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it was five or six of them and it was weird. They were in a cluster. It wasn't like, like if it was kids, you know, kids would kind of go like one after the other. They were like in a cluster. I kind of like a cartoon like a hive, hive mind or something is all that I could, like they were all just like in a, in a, in a, a ball together, just thumping their feet down the hallway, going past the door. It, it was, it was awkward. It was, um, unnatural. I, I don't know how else to explain it. Like almost like a, like a, like a school of fish. Does that make sense? Yeah. I was just thinking that. Yeah. So it was kind of it was weird. It was very unnatural. Yeah, I, I, so, and that I, was the first thing. That was like originally I thought it was like kids from the neighborhood breaking in the house, and when they went down and I saw that, I was like, "That oh, that doesn't look right. That's not right." You know, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Because I I think I, I think I confused them. I think I went into the wrong room. <laughs> they were expecting me to find. You know, they were going to find me somewhere else, and. They zapped me too hard. I couldn't make it to where they wanted me to be. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, when, when the way you describe it, this—I mean—and I know it sounds cartoony, uh, but it just—it's what I picture. I picture these little entities uh, flocking to your room together, like good little soldiers, and it, it, it sounds like they were ready to put you over their head and carry you out, like a cartoon. I know it sounds silly, right. but that's what it sounds no, like it to does. me. But that's it. Yeah, it was cartoon. It was weird. It was cartoonish. It was, yeah, like it didn't make sense. They came into my house. They're all clustered together. They're like tripping over each other. They go all the way down the hall and then they they get all screwed up because I'm not in the room that they think I'm going to be in. So they just make a beeline out the door. It was weird. It, did, it, it doesn't make sense. And now that's what, like, I don't know. I mean, this isn't like some advanced race. I mean, they screwed up. I, I don't know what else to say. It's like a bunch of little uh, Marvin the Martians. <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, so they got the paralysis, right? Because I couldn't move. But, you know, they, they interrupted my sandwich making session, which I was upset about. Heck yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was weird. I don't know. I mean, that was, it, was, it, was, it was very weird. And like I said, the whole, the whole experience was 10 minutes. 10 minutes and it was over. And there's no way. I mean, I wasn't even tired that day. You know, I, I like I said, I was I was like excited about making a turkey sandwich. I was making a triple decker turkey sandwich. I had my mayonnaise out, my tomatoes. I had to go lay down like <laughs> immediately. So I I, I find it so funny I, that all these years later you remember exactly what you were doing with that sandwich. You were like all about that sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is why you're so pissed off you didn't get it done. <laughs> well, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I remember like the small details about it. You know, I mean, most of that's what's weird is like most of my like um, my experiences. I remember the small details. If I don't remember the small details, I don't think I remember the entire experience. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I get it, man. I get it. Does that make sense? But yeah, I remember that. I had yeah, I left my mayonnaise out and everything. The, the butter knife was in the mayonnaise jar. I just walked away from it. I would never do that. I would never do that. I was ready to eat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get it, man. I'm a, I'm a big time eater, so I, I know it. Like, when you're ready to eat, it's like you got one thing on your mind. It's that food getting in your belly. Right, right. <laughs> well, Ryan, uh, listen. So, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Uh... <laughs> I just got really freaked out. Uh, I I was just about ready to start closing things up with you, and I felt something touching my back, and I freaked out. And it turns out it was my hoodie falling off the back of my chair and touching my back. <laughs> Bro, that was freaking... <laughs> Dang it, man. Uh, the patrons that are watching, hopefully they saw the, the hoodie slide down like that. Um, right, right. Well, Ryan, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing that with us, uh, that whole story. It's, it's, a, it's really, for me, it's a fascinating story to listen to because there's so many different aspects of it and there's so many different details that uh, play into it throughout your entire life, essentially. And uh, you, you don't have the answers. I don't have the answers. And that's why we have this show for people to share their experiences and we can learn collectively. The more people that share their stories, the more we hear them, the more we can you know, draw comparisons from other people's stories and start connecting these dots that, because there's a mystery out there. And I, to be honest with you, I'm not sure if we're ever going to find out all the answers, but the least we can do is start listening to people's stories. So uh, that's what we did tonight. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing that with us. 
Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity to give me the chance to tell it. And like I said earlier, like yeah, if somebody has similar stories, I'd love to hear it. Absolutely. Because at least it'll give me some confirmation. You know, I'd love to hear it. For sure. So, so I really appreciate it. You know, it, it was a good opportunity, and I, I appreciate you letting me talk. Right on, man. So uh, keep in touch. I know you will because you're a patron. And, uh, you know, if anything ever happens after today, feel free to just reach out to me privately. You know, it doesn't have to be for the show. You just reach out to me. Let me know what's going on. All right? Absolutely. You got it. All right, man. I'll talk to you. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed talking with Ryan and just kind of going through all this information that he experienced throughout his life. So, uh, Ryan, thank you very much for coming on the show. And before we get out of here, I want to let everybody know that Rocky Elmore from episode 15, the Border Patrol agent that came on and he was talking about paranormal experiences that he had while he was on the job, even Bigfoot experiences and just kind of some fun stuff that he talked about. This guy is going to be starting his own TV slash web series called Threshold Mysteries of the Border Patrol. And he's actually doing some crowdfunding to help get it going. So if you're interested in helping to support that effort, go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the blog section, and you'll see a post in there. Click the link and go to his crowdfunding page and see if that's something that you'd like to do with helping support his efforts. Now, if you want to help support my efforts, go to iTunes and leave a rating and review. Go to patreon.com forward slash the confessionals and become a patron. Or at the very least, click and highlight the link to this podcast episode and share it around all your social media accounts. That would help me out a lot as well. So that said... I hope you guys have a great and safe week coming up. And remember, the truth will set you free, but first, it will piss you off. Just stay.